Hey, this is Ralph D'Amato, the producer from Pretending I'm a Superman, the Tony Hawk video game story. And I'm just uh, here with Greg and Sam from Weed Podcast and We Know Things. Check them out. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 209 of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Coming at you on Mischief Night. And you know what? I I did not know if we were going to be able to record an episode this week. Got some house stuff going on that, that we actually had to cancel an interview that we'll talk about in just a moment. But a lot of crazy stuff happened this week. So just thankful we were able to squeeze an episode in here uh, because I just wasn't sure if we were going to. So it's always nice. Yeah, well, when you say, you know, the missus is under the weather, you know what I mean? You're on full daddy duty. I'm on full daddy duty, and it it really depends on when she goes to bed and if I have literally any energy left after that or if I just want to pass out. So turns out that she didn't get a great nap today. Um, I don't love hearing that, but at the same time, of all days, today is the day for her not to get a great nap. So (laughs) So it it worked out perfect. It was an early night night for her. So we're here live. If she wakes up, we fucked, but... That's okay. I don't think she will. She wakes up maybe once every three weeks. In the morning. I mean, knock so, on wood here. Knock on some gosh darn wood. So with that, we are live here on Squawker. Uh, always appreciate the team over at Squawker hooking us up. Um, and uh, we love doing the show through it. So we're looking forward to that platform growing and getting better and, and you know, just all the things that it can do. We're really happy with. So as we continue to, to evolve the show, uh, through Squawker, we will let you know, and hopefully you can come along for the ride. Uh, with that, we did have to unfortunately cancel an interview because, again, yesterday, you know, family thing, uh, last minute, extremely last minute, like day of, reached out, hey, you know, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, if if the baby does wake up in the middle of an interview, that's not right. That's not fair. So uh, we had to cancel that interview with Young Culture. I know we were looking forward to it. I know they were looking forward to it. And we are working literally actively as we speak, sending emails back and forth with our friends at BPM, uh, trying to get it rescheduled. So we do thank you very, very much. We came up with a couple of dates and times. Right now, we're trying to find something that mutually works for all three of us. And, and or actually, yeah, for all three of us that are going to be doing the interview. So really looking forward to that one. It's just, it's, you have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. Just give us a little time. We always do. We never we never let you down. The listeners, there's one thing you've known over the last four and a half years with us. It's that we very, very, very seldom let you down. Unless one of us goes and gets married or something like that. Or like gets mouth surgery. Oh, wait, we still did an episode. The worst you're better, audio You're quality. better than me, my friend. Because if that the, was me, we were off. <laughs> the worst audio quality we have ever had, ever. I didn't even check levels, nothing. It sounds like I'm eating the microphone. Uh, instead of just mashed potatoes for two weeks. But yeah, that was a fun. I'll never forget that one. But we got a freaking loaded show. It started off as a slower week. And then we were like, okay, good, good, solid hour and 15 minute show, maybe even less. And now it's exploded into what will be again, one of the most packed episodes we've had in a long time. We got our pick of the week to kick off the show. We got trivia It is 13 and a half for me, 13 for Sam in our race to 11 win by two in gaming i have my impressions of the crown tundra we have reviews for watchdogs legion arguably ubisoft's biggest game of the year maybe outside of assassin's creed valhalla but we have a review for that we have a review for pikmin 3 deluxe on the nintendo switch out of nowhere kind of saw it coming because uh we knew it was going to be this month and this is the last week of october nintendo did shadow drop 
a Nintendo Mini Direct Partner Showcase for October, the last one of the year. The last one of the year. Big deal there. 19-minute uh, direct. We got that entire thing covered for you. We got even more news. Another game that we were looking forward to gets delayed. And one of my favorite games of the year gets a surprise. I'm excited to talk about that when Sam takes over in gaming. Uh, I'll kick it back over in movies where I have some impressions of a movie that dropped last Friday. And let's just say is nice and then we'll have uh <laughs> i've been hearing mixed things about it so i'm interested to hear what, where what you say yeah and and i think uh i think you will be interested to hear what i say so we have that we have another big dc figure returning to the justice league uh snyder cut of the justice league after Je- uh, leto's joker last week another fan favorite coming back this week and in our top three we got a lot of moon knight news which we've been waiting for since the show got announced for disney plus finally finally the moon knight has come back to the podcast and that my friends is where the top three is gonna lie as we give our top three hopes for the moon knight series coming to disney plus Uh, in the music section we have one gonna have two but we have one we'll do one next week one ep review that I'm really excited to share before Sam does his CGC spotlight and we will get on out of here. But let's start as always where we do customarily with our picks of the week. Pick of the week this week. Finally, he's beaten crash Four. it's about time. It's been a lot of years since we had to a new crash game. And I think this one fit right in. It was hard as shit. I'm not even going to just lie about it and say, I, I, I aced every, every level with ease no 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 i think i think even you said to me we were talking i think it was the second or third level to last i think it took yep. me like 102 tries yep the, the, there was one where you're using all the suits in tandem one right after another after another after another in the same jump and it was it was a lot <laughs> yeah it, it was it was freaking madness Let, let's just say what it is but you know the story takes place it's crashing his sister coco along with their former enemy, Dingo Dial, and his alternate dimension counterpart girlfriend, Tawny? Tawna? Is that how you say her name? I, I think it's Tawna. Yeah, you're you're close. You're close. Yeah, so... She's I mean, got a makeover in this game, though. She looks badass. Yeah, and of course, the graphics were, were freaking beautiful. I loved every character's design. And basically, you're after Neocortex and Dr. Nefarious and... It get gets into a whole bunch of of craziness. You they introduce quantum masks, something that was that was never done before, correct? No, they they had obviously a lot around the masks like Uka Uka and Aka Aka, yeah. and like, but they never did the quantum masks where they give you actual powers, which was a real game changer, quite frankly. It's yeah, the whole mechanic I mean, around the game. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I remember the originals being hard, but I, I felt like this one took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, or would you kind of say? I, I still the same? think I still think Crash One. The insane trilogy version is actually the hardest crash game I've ever played. But crash four is because it's not just run jump and figure it out. It's got all those mask mechanics and having to hit triangle, knowing what mask does what at right at what time and this, that, and the other, I would say it's, it's definitely up there. If it's not number two, it's number three, but I would say crash one, the insane trilogy version is the hardest that I've ever played. Well, I mean, I didn't even, beat each one of those yet i think i only played i just jumped to the second one jumped on that but the new one i made sure that i i wanted to get this game done and beat at least to you know before the end of the year just so i can see from the beginning to the end and of course like i think you put it on our story too and we podcast this and we know things ig of the uh the nice touch at the end the mel winkler the you know in memory to and dedicated 
because he was uh, Aku's original voice actor. Yeah, I knew you. I knew you'd like that one, um, Aku Aku. But he also does another voice that you pointed out to me that I didn't even know about. Well, I I forget when I when I looked down somebody in somebody in anime. We remember when we were uh, that Sunday morning we were hanging out and we were talking about it, and you said he oh the the original voice of Neo Cortex he did he does this something anime thing. Oh, that was uh, the guy that plays him. Um, he plays well, Sonosuke Sakar in Roni Kenshin. There, there you go. Yeah, so go. Uh, Lex Lang is, is the guy's name who plays Neocortex now. Right. But yeah, I, I just thought the game was a blast. I, I think if you have a PS4 or if you've played any of the old Crash games, I feel like this is a must-have. Crash 4, it's about time. Yeah, it's damn good. I mean, is it going to make my top three at the end of the year? We'll see, especially after some news that we're going to talk about on this podcast. So stay tuned for that. Mine is a Netflix series. I've been sitting on this one for a couple weeks and we got done it actually in September. Um, So it's been a little bit since I've finished it. But I wanted to see if after I got through all of those picks of the week that I kind of had saved up, if it still held up, if I was still thinking about it. And if it was worthy of my love and admiration on the pod, because we actually haven't talked about this show at all yet. And it kind of did its thing was on the top 10 for a week or two and then kind of faded. And I haven't heard a lot about it since. And the first two episodes are friggin phenomenal and stick with me. I, I think it picks up a little bit at the end. I, it does lose its luster a little bit in the middle. And I'm talking about uh, away from Netflix, the show where they go up in space uh, and, and it's I, got, go I don't even think it's ringing a bell. It's, it's been all over the Netflix top 10 for a couple weeks there. Um, and it's got Hillary Swank. It's got Josh Charles, Vivian Wu, um, Hillary oh, Swank. Oh, is, oh yeah, that's right. The one that they canceled already. Got it. No, they didn't cancel it yet. Yes, they, in October, 2020, the series was canceled. Get out of town. <laughs> yep. By starring Hillary Swank. Yep, it premiered. It premiered September fourth. Holy Can- shit! October nineteenth. Canceled October twenty twenty. Holy shit! It got canceled like last week. We just didn't catch it on the pod to talk about shit. Well, there you go. That kind of sucks because it leaves you. It leaves you kind of wanting for a second season. Well, I was gonna. I mean, sorry, bro. I didn't mean the crap on your brain. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It'll still hold up. I actually did like it. So Hillary okay. Swank, she is an astronaut. She is the commander of a mission for Earth's first. Uh, first i don't know mission to mars and so oh first uh, expedition gotcha gotcha, gotcha. yeah mission expedition whatever you call it and they you know there's a there's a nice stop on the moon she's going to be gone for three years but she has a husband who's also an astronaut uh she has a daughter who's just becoming a teenager and kind of finding her way so she has to make the decision of do i go to mars do i be a mom what do i want to do sacrifice this sacrifice that she's a female commander for a mission to mars the first ever mission to mars that kind of has its own thing that they bring in and because there's a lot of male, alpha male, you know, on the ship and she's got to kind of earn the respect, but also like she doesn't because she's a badass. So it it blew me away visually because of the shots in space. Like, like I said, the first two episodes are really what blow my mind. And if you don't finish the series, that's okay. I think it's eight episodes. It might be 10, but the first two I highly recommend, even if you just give up and you don't care for it for this reason alone. I am fascinated by space. I'm fascinated by all of it. And so the shots that they, I've never seen such a space like shot so beautifully with like 
them on the moon and how that's done so wonderfully and how they portray gravity and, and like how realistic that is and how much NASA actually worked with them on this show. It's kind of impressive. And there's a shot of, they have to do a spacewalk in one of the episodes where they actually leave the ship while it's in orbit in space and leave the ship to go fix something. And all they have is that little hose that they're strapped to. And if that ship breaks, they're just going to float away. And it's like, Holy shit is it tense and it's a beautifully done at least like i said beginning and ending the middle kind of falls off because it gets into the human drama as opposed to it being about space um but it's not like i said i've been waiting for over a month it's not like my number one pick of the week of the year and clearly netflix didn't think so either as they've canceled it which is news to me but uh i mean they they probably they probably canceled probably for cost probably it's a a huge budget i mean they literally partner with nasa so it's a good good thought as to why they've canceled it but you know i i recommend it for a from a visual perspective and from i think personally i think hillary swank and her family crush it i think they all do a really good job so uh, and two of the crew members i really like there was one that did not stick with me at all at all at all at all but thank god they died early <laughs> i have no uh, idea i'm just teasing. it's it's got a lot of good scenes and it's it's tense it's uh, like I said, it's beautiful visually, and to have the four to watch it in four K was was pretty was a pretty damn good treat. But uh, yeah, if you're looking to kill a couple hours, go watch Away on Netflix. Sam, it's time for trivia. It's thirteen and a half for me, thirteen for you. Uh, why don't you give me the question first, friend? Yeah, because I already said I, I'm pretty sure this is a straight up alley oop to you. So here we go. Which wrestler helped launch the Xbox at the special event in two thousand and one? Oh, Jesus. I, I need the answers. Okay. We have A, The Rock, B, John Cena, C, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or D, Triple H. So it's not John Cena because he didn't debut until 2002. Um, I don't think it's Triple H because at that time he was a heel. So it was The Rock or Stone Cold. The Rock was arguably the more popular. So I'm just going to go with The Rock. Correct. All right. So that's 14 for me, 13 for you. And I think I've asked you this before to the point where you will probably still get it wrong. Probably tie it. No, I think you'll probably tie it. Actually, I have to open my phone so I can get the question out. Actually, I know it by heart. I don't know why I'm opening my phone for this one. You ready? Let's do it. What generation, the third straight week of a Pokemon question, what generation of Pokemon were shinies introduced? Uh, that I don't know. Um, I have no idea. I'm just debating if I want to guess. Is it knowing you? It's probably like four, five, six, seven, or something. Well, there's only eight to pick from. There's only eight to pick from. So, how? I mean, Johnny's been around for a little bit. So let's go with six. Mm. Holy shit. No. Five. I two. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not expect you to go that high. Mine was two, three, four, five were my answer choices. But I would I would have went with five anyway because five was – I would have said so, I went to five and I changed my gut last minute to six. So shinies have been around since Gen 2. And if you're a gold and silver player, they were created for the Game Boy Color. They introduced shinies for that 
kind of for that reason. I mean, there is other, obviously the other factors and stuff to make it a little bit more rare and something to, to keep players engaged and playing and something to hunt. But with the Game Boy Color finally introducing Pokemon in color, you get, you know, uh, 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 well, Scyther's shiny is just another shade of green, but like you get coughing. Coughing is like blue as opposed to purple. So you get that little bit of difference. You're like, holy shit, what is this? And then they get the little stars around them and you're like, what the hell did I just find? Back then there was barely internet. It was dial up that we were just learning how to use as a, as a society. So it's not like it was widely known. Everybody thought Peekaboo was a goddamn Pokemon. No, it was just Meryl. So, you know, back then, I mean, we used to believe Peekaboo on the, on the fricking, you know, in the, in the schoolyard. So, the there is a guaranteed shiny Pokemon though to kind of get everybody like what the hell is this in Gen two and if you play Gold and Silver and Crystal you actually are forced to encounter it and you don't have to catch it you can kill it you can run from it whatever but do you remember the Lake of Rage with the Red Gyarados I mean now I do as you say it but prior to that I had no rec like I haven't played Gold and Silver since. When it they came even out. Made, they even made I think they even made an anime episode around the Red Gyarados around the Lake of Rage. I, I remember the sure. Red Gyarados, but I I I don't know I. I any, that was dude, in the any, Lake of Rage. I any, think it was after the seventh badge. Any question sure. you want to ask me that I really don't know, just keep asking Pokemon questions, and you will win. I, <laughs> I promise you that. Uh, well, you know what I I uh, I just got done playing Leaf Green. Um, I I just beat blue my rival in the to become the champion so i was like really in this pokemon kick plus i've been playing the crown tundra which i'll talk about in a moment so i was like you know what i don't even care about trying to find something else i said what's some widely known thing that i don't have to think about that i can just ask him because i'm a little bit lazy this week uh with all the shit going on so that was the first thing in my in my head there yeah and mine i went to xbox and wrestling i figured i'd morph it too and be a nice fun question I'm glad I got it. I didn't know it off the top of my head. I'm, I wouldn't even be surprised because it was in 2001 if they did that at like WWF New York. I wouldn't even be surprised of that because I was there uh, at WWF New York. Anthony Pino, his parents or grandparents, I don't remember who at the time, for his birthday one year, got us a limo to New York City to go to WWF New York. It was one of the- Had to be his grandmom. She was the OG. Dude, she hooked me up. I was like a third grandchild, fourth. He has two brothers. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, to, to, <laughs> to her, man, I fucking, she bought me skateboards and Resident Evil Code Veronica on the GameCube or PS2. I can't remember. She bought me tons of stuff. Connie, you are the shit. Rest in peace, Connie. So with that, it is now 14 for me. 13 for you if i get it right next week without the answers and you get it wrong in general i win although i don't have a lot of faith that i'm doing that because i can't sink a two-foot putt i choke under pressure it's what i don't know I, I i've been giving you some nice questions so i i, I kind of want you to take the title you deserve it oh, but thanks. i'll take over in gaming and i know a game came out or an expansion that you've been hyped to talk about so let's talk about it the pokemon expansion pass for crown tundra this was announced back in January. So I've literally been sitting on it all year waiting for this DLC. I mean, the the Isle of Armor came out in June. So like mid-pandemic when I'm dying for something new to play, you know, waiting to beat The Last of Us so I can play The Last of Us Part 2. But when I didn't want to be sad and depressed, like what can I do? And so you wait six months for the first one, four or five months for the second one. And the second one's the one we've all been waiting for because it introduced you know, I'll just say this multiple new legendaries 
and uh, some of my favorite Gen 1 Pokemon, like Nidoking and Magmar and Electabuzz, are all back. Scyther came back, um, and Abra came back in the Isle of Armor. So, like, all of my favorite Gen 1s, Muck, uh, I don't think Muck's in the game. That is one that I am sadly, and Pidgeotto is in the game. So sad because I love Muck and, and the Pidgey line, but regardless, uh, this is the second and final, apparently, DLC. We don't know Pokemon's plans for the next mainline game. Is it going to be more DLC for Sword and Shield? Is it going to be Gen 4 remakes? Is it going to be Gen 2 Let's Go Johto? Is it going to be Gen 9, which I don't think it is? Is it going to be Sword and Shield sequel? We don't really know yet, but I'd like to think they're going to move on to something new. One expansion pass, two DLC packs. There are still a couple, like I think uh, you know, 150 to 200 Pokemon still unavailable in this game. So maybe they do one more big one, bring them all back. I, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, this is also, I'm a big fan of like snow and ice. And this is where this takes place. The crown tundra. Uh, as opposed to a sunny island. Screw summer, give me winter, give me cold, give me chilly. And this is where the big boys were going to play. Isle of Armor did a really nice job filling your decks. There was a giant level 80 whale lord that was a, a cool catch. There was, you know, it was a wild area, the whole thing. You're getting Galarian Slowbro and Slowpoke. So, like, it introduced a lot of cool new things. But the Crown Tundra, man, all the legendaries were coming back. Every single one. You have... Uh, a new way to do den, uh, de- raid dens in Dynamax Adventure. You have uh, over, you know, about 100 new Pokemon, including the legendaries coming back. You have uh, an even bigger world to explore than the Isle of Armor. This is like one and a half times the size of the Isle of Armor. So uh, it, it was waiting for it because I'm A, a whore when it comes to filling my decks, and B, uh, I need the legendaries because I'm not a fan of bringing them through from older gens. I want to catch them in the current gen. So I like to do that every time. So was really looking forward to this expansion. And I can say that with a hiccup or two, this is the single greatest piece of DLC I've played on a Nintendo console. Wow. But that's great to hear. I know I saw you post on the story when, when you were bad on Lugia and like hands down it, it is so accessible for anybody that wants to get into competitive battling it's so easy because of all the little things that are hidden around the island that you go or the, the archipelago, the whatever that you go find um, the, the battle items, the legendaries, because a lot of people like to stack their teams as long as they're viable and not, and not banned in the, in the uh, meta game. So like, this is a great way to build a competitive team. And so that's number one. Number two, I love the thought of Dynamax Adventure. I, I, you know, you get a rental Pokemon, so you can't use your own. So you can't just use the legendaries and the hacked ones that you fucking fake into the game. And so like they, it, it brings a little bit of challenge. I haven't, every time I uh, encounter one, I don't just catch it. I actually have lost quite a few Dynamax Adventures, especially if my teammates that I play with, I connect online and I play with people. If they suck, then I will lose. Yeah, so, so that, that I, was, I was just about to say, so you just have to go in there with randoms. Unless I you mean, have, I guess, a couple people that you know, but usually it's randoms. Uh, I Yeah, I only have uh, three or four friends that have the DLC and were never online at the same time. So I've only played with one friend and the rest have been randoms, which I'm okay with. Most people are good How enough. How many people is, does it usually take to, to battle a Dynamax Pokemon? Uh, it's it's we get four you can do it's always four in the den with you um you could do one friend and two bots you could do three bots you can do three friends and one bot what i like about it is like 
let's say we're going through and we go, you know, you have to battle three Dynamax Pokemon. And if you beat them, then you get to the legendary as the fourth one. If let's say we beat two Pokemon and you got to go eat dinner and you bail, it doesn't kick us all out. It just replaces you with a bot and you don't even know it. So like, I like that. It's kind of seamless. And the bots aren't horrible. They're, it's like, they're either awesome or they're just okay. They don't really make boneheaded decisions. There was one time where there's a legendary, one of my favorites, Giratina. Uh, they could have used a super effective move. They didn't. It left it with one HP and then it killed us. And I almost fucking had it. Now I got it today. So <laughs> I don't really care because, you know, I knew I was going to get it eventually, but that was a little bit of a butthurt moment. Uh, but the coolest <laughs> thing. So basically you get your four people, you and three friends or whatever, and you go into this den, this Dynamax den, and you randomly pick three rental Pokemon that are assigned, or four, because there's four of you, that are assigned to you. So that'll give you a Wartortle, a Hitmonlee, uh, a, a, a Altaria, and a Credilly. And you pick one, and then it'll, you know, it gives you a preset move, and you can figure out what moves it has so you can be strategic. And then all it does is it gives you a top-down look at this den where you have to go through, There's it's branching paths. So you pick what path you want to go, and at the end of each path, there's a type of Pokemon. It doesn't tell you what Pokemon it is, just the types. So you have to make the decision of who you're going to battle based on the type. It's really cool. Sometimes you can see their outline through the smoke, and so you get a little bit of an idea of who you're about to battle, but it'll tell you the type. So you go through, you can pick up berries to replenish your health, you can uh, visit backpackers who can give you held items. You can visit scientists who give you a random Pokemon to switch out. And let's say I run into a Scyther and I have a war turtle, but I know the legendary is a grass type and uh, water is weak to grass and bug is strong against grass. So I want to switch it. When you beat one of the three Pokemon before you have the option to add it to your team and swap it out with who you already had. So you can kind of even be more strategic as you go. That's cool. It is. It's, it adds a lot of strategy, but only one person can get the catch. So if multiple people request it, only one of us gets it. It is like a crazy – I've gotten into things where I'm like, your thing's super effective. Why do you want to get rid of it? My thing sucks, and you took it from me. Like It is. It gets pretty crazy. I, I do love that strategy aspect of it. And if throughout the entire thing, if any of us get knocked out four times, it's like a combination of four, each of us one time or one of us three times, another one once, you lose. You get kicked out, game over, start over. So it is, it's is—it's actually challenging. And well, if you beat the first three, you get a random legendary and you uh, you battle it. And if you beat it, you automatically catch it. You can, It cannot break out of the ball. It's a guaranteed catch. So it does add that incentive to be strategic because yeah. you get it. It's yeah, to amazing. make sure you beat it and then you automatically have it. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's so, fair. Everything in the Dynamax adventure is guaranteed catch. So what I did was I spent a bunch of my money. I got like 600 of my favorite types of balls and like I'll catch them using my favorite ball, which is, you know, a, a pretty common strategy with, with people who like to play Pokemon. But every single Pokemon you run into and defeat is a guaranteed catch. Here's what I love. The normal shiny odds are about one in 3000 if you have the shiny charm. So you got to get super lucky to get a shiny. The Dynamax Adventure cuts that down that if you have the shiny charm, which is you get after you complete the Pokedex, it's one in 100. Oh, wow. It dramatically cuts down. So it like absolutely makes you just catch everything and just you just never know. Because at the end, let's say we beat all three and I catch it and we beat the legendary. At the end, it'll give me all four 
including the legendary and say, which one do you want to pick? So you don't automatically get the legendary. You get to make a choice. What I like about that is if I get a shiny, fuck the, fuck the legendary. I'll take in the shiny and I'll battle the legendary again and catch it. Yeah, that because yeah, it makes sense because you you probably won't see that shiny again for a while, but you're you're guaranteed to see this legendary again. You are guaranteed because once Got you it. fight one, you can add it to a preset list of three that you can go in and battle it whenever you want. So I would just do that. I had uh, a Nialago, I think it is, an Ultra Beast, and when I caught it, one of my three other Pokemon that I caught was shiny. So I said, "Screw the Nialago, I'm taking the Audino," and now I have a shiny Audino, and I have. I even got I even got a fucking shiny Tapu Bulu. I got a shiny legendary doing this. I've never in my life seen uh, a, a real one. Most, you know, some people fake it, but I, I never have had a shiny legendary, and I got one yeah. now. And it's it, not my favorite legendary, but I love it now. I was sure gonna say you you've seen so many shinies. The only one that I've freaking even ever seen was probably that damn red Gyarados. <laughs> I have a red Gyarados, by the way. They did an event where they. Uh, shiny Magikarp was one, I think a 25% chance to spawn, I think. So I, I got one of those too. So in Sword and Shield, I've gotten a shiny Gyarados, a shiny Wailord, a shiny Pikachu, which I have evolved to a shiny Raichu. Uh, from P- from Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, I have a shiny Chansey, a shiny Coughing, a shiny Butterfree. So I have all of those transferred into Sword and Shield. I have my shiny Audino. I have my shiny Tapu Bulu. And I'm really happy with that. And I'm so addicted to doing this shiny or this Dynamax adventure. I'm up to 28 or 29 legendaries now because and I'm just how, obsessed with it. How many is there? There's like 40, 50, like 40 or 50. So I'm almost halfway done all the legendaries. I have Articuno. I have Suicune. I have Lugia. I have Ho-Oh. I have all the Regis available. I have Dialga. I have Cresselia. I have Keldeo. I fucking Keldeo. Like Keldeo I, I, showed up. I just love these names that are coming in. Like, like I should know what they look like. <laughs> Kel- no idea. I'll, put it, I'll put it this way for you. Keldeo has only shown up in a game like one time and that's it. They have made him a secret. It's a seat. You have to, I'm not going to like spoil how to get him. You have to do something, three things, very specific. So he's and, like a, like a unicorn. Yes. You have uh, to, you have to do three things very specifically and then go to a secret place uh, on the, in the crown tundra, do a thing and, And then it randomly shows up. So I have to do five things all secret and then it shows up. So of course I did them. And of course he's just walking right in the middle of this thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's fucking Keldeo. I've never had a Keldeo. Of course I caught it. So uh, I I love that. I love the Dynamax adventure because I can do it with randoms online that, you know, it's, it's at least a good support. Um, I love the area. I love to be able to control my camera. I, the story, you know, I caught the new deer Pokemon with the Triforces Calyrex. There's a little hidden secret there that I won't give away. Um, here's the small issues that I have with it. Because it's the, like I said, it's the single best piece of DLC I've ever played on a Nintendo console. And uh, it's not a bad thing because, you know, Pokemon, dude, they always do version exclusives. And, you know, they always encourage trading. But the new Regis, Regieleki and Regidrago, you actually only get to pick one, so you don't get both. So you'd have to trade with somebody to get the other one. Luckily, I know people who play, so I texted them and said, yo, when you get to this point, don't pick this, pick this. And even if you want the other thing, I'll just trade it with you because I don't give a shit. I just want to fill my decks. So there were two choices that I had to make with legendaries. I took one route. I texted my friend Jim and I said, hey. Take the other routes. You can have mine if you want them. I just I just want to fill my decks. So that's a little bit of an annoyance that I can't just do it on my own. 
Um, another little bit of annoyance is they didn't really add a ton of non-legendaries. Like within the first two or three days, I only have four more Pokemon that I need that aren't legendary. And there's or five, I'm sorry. And they're sword exclusive. So again, I have to trade for them. So I've caught literally every Pokemon I need that I can. And I'm it's just like pain the ass. I have to pay for the DLC and then wait to trade with somebody. It's just a like if it's DLC, it shouldn't be that way. You should get everything in the DLC. Yeah. If you're gonna pay extra for it. I paid 30 extra dollars. I've invested $150 total into Sword and Shield. God I feel you. like you know what I mean? I shouldn't have to trade with somebody to get all the things that I paid for, if that makes sense. So oh, I, I makes perfect sense. A little bit of an, an annoyance there. Um, and then I would say uh, the, the other annoyance is it's just short. Like I've, I've complete, I've already completed it. And I'm just now I just have to finish my decks and I'll be 100 percent in the game, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I have invested over 120 hours at this point, so um, that's fine. But. Like. I loved the Keldeo thing because it was hidden and then there's a spirit tomb by a grave that you actually have to go visit the grave, click on the grave and then turn your Internet on and go talk to 30 people. And then the spirit tomb Pokemon shows up and they don't tell you that. You just got to know. So like, I love those little things that Pokemon does where they make it hard and they make it special. Yeah. Th- that's something I would never look for or find. That would be something I would just never know. The only reason I knew it is because they did something similar in gen four and I saw a graveyard and I was like, let me just try the same thing you have to do in four. So it makes sense. So like for longtime Pokemon fans, you can kind of figure it out. So I, I like that. But at the same time, like catching the legendary, I caught the, the Galarian, Zapdos, Galarian Articuno, and Galarian Moltres. Galarian Moltres is the fucking shit. I it is, but I think it's my favorite new legendary of all of them. It is so cool, um, especially when it's when it's up close. It's so cool, and I like that because they don't tell you here's how you catch them. They just kind of tell you kind of where they're at. And like Zapdos, it it's a flightless bird now, and it's not electric. It's fighting, and so pissed. You go to the, well, they still have the regular Cantonian one in the game. So you can still get the old school one. And so you go to where it's at and you just see it walking around and you're like, holy shit. And it's one of those, since it's a flightless bird, it's super fast and it runs away and you have to get on your bike and chase it all throughout the wild area without running into anything else or else it gets away and then blah, blah. So like, it was so much fun to do that. It was just over so quickly. Um, so minor gripes, nothing major. I mean, it's, it, it's definitely worth getting it's dude. It was 30 bucks for both Isle of armor and crown tundra. It was so worth it because I've gotten, I mean, at that point you're in it at 120. What's 30 more. I've, I've gotten over 32 to 35 hours out of enjoyment out of these things. But that's again, because I like to fill my decks and stuff like that. And I've gotten now I've gotten two shiny Pokemon because of it. One's a shiny legendary. Like that shit is something I'm going to remember forever. And I'm going to actually now with Pokemon home, because I have a shiny legendary, I'm going to transfer my shinies to Pokemon home for the next game and put them in the next game just so I can keep my shinies going. I don't love transferring like the other Pokemon because I can just catch them, but shinies are that special yeah, thing. So you may, you may not see another one. It is what this DLC did was cement and stamp the fact that outside of red, blue, leaf, green, fire, red, 
that this is these are my favorite games, even over Platinum, which was my favorite for a long, long time. And, and over Silver? Re- Gen 2 was never my favorite. I actually don't love Gen 2. Um, Heart, Soul Silver was fucking phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Going back to Kanto is really cool. But replaying Leaf Green recently and finishing this DLC, I've realized, man, that just nothing compares to Gen 1 for me. I love it so goddamn much. So for me, it's Gen 1, Gen 8, Gen 4, um, and and then probably Gen 2 or 7. I'm not really sure. Sun and Moon are kind of growing old on me because of all the hand-holding. Um, and I, you know, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon just never clicked with me. So, But overall, can't recommend it enough. If you're on the fence about buying Sword and Shield, this is this is it. Go. They're releasing the complete edition with the game and the DLC on November 6th. So if you're getting a switch for Christmas or, you know, you have one, and you haven't bought it yet. Wait for November 6th, wait for the complete edition to come out, get it. Then you won't regret it. It's a fucking brilliant game. And I, I will stamp that this is my favorite Nintendo DLC of all time. Next up, we got two reviews. Let's start with the big one. Watch dogs. Legion was really excited for this game and, you know, being able to, to take over, you know, to, to recruit people, no matter who it is in the city of London, you can recruit them for your side. And it's a cool premise, but let's see if IGN agrees. Watch dogs. Legion takes Ubisoft's open world hacker series in an interesting new direction by letting you swap between the inhabitants of a near future London, almost at will. There's enough variety in the way different characters play to make that a good trade-off for not having one traditionally progressing character with a fleshed out personality and playing with permadeath enables enabled ratchets up the tension of infiltrating heavily guarded areas. On top of that, the map is detailed and loaded with environmental, I'm sorry, environmental puzzles to solve with, to solve with a little help from your drones. Legion is technically a little rough, but its sandbox style approach is a good idea that sets watchdogs moment to moment gameplay even further apart from the GTA series. Ado, you've nailed it. I think I was watching. I'm pretty sure it was the game was Legion. I think it was Alana was playing it with, with somebody. I don't know. For what I saw, it looked boring. Watchdogs is not for everybody hacking into things. And yeah, and I, I think that's what it was like. I think they played for an hour and I skimmed through it and I was like, there was no action. Like yeah, none of it's, it. it's a very stealthy type of game and it doesn't really like the last of us can be played stealthy, but if you don't want to, you can go in guns a blazing. Oh, this God, one yeah. similar. It's just not as gory, not as gunfighty. You are trying to hack into shit and be like, it's basically stealth mixed with technology. And I think that's the big draw. And so for that type of player, I think it's perfect. It's not a game I'm going to rush out to buy. There are still other games this year that I want to play well before that one, yeah, but I am very glad that it didn't get shit on like the second one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a cool idea. It's just a game that just, it for, for whatever reason, it just doesn't speak to me. I, I couldn't fault you there. I really yeah. couldn't. Next review up, we got Pikmin 3 Deluxe. And if you've played Pikmin 3 on the Wii U, well, you probably haven't because nobody fucking owns a Wii U. Uh, this is your chance to play it on the Nintendo Switch. Pikmin 3 Deluxe makes an already excellent game because, again, the Wii U had some fucking bangers, but because nobody bought it, Nobody realizes that Mario Kart 8 was a Wii U game, but I digress. It makes an already excellent game even better, and it transplants it onto a console where far more people, like I said, have a chance to see how good it really is. Exactly. Its side stories and difficulty modes aren't massive additions, but 
They gave me more of the already clever and fast-paced fun that made me fall in love with the original game seven years ago. And while not as flashy as, you know, while not as, I'm sorry, while not as flashy new missions, and while not as flashy new missions, there are downright impressive moments. This one reads a little weird, so I'm just going to skip over it. This one sentence, it's a little weird. There's plenty of reason to come back for returning players, and if you missed Pikmin 3 in the Wii U, then you absolutely should not repeat that mistake here. I can't fucking read tonight but i swear to god that that sentence just read weird to me i'm gonna say nine you are you are two for two for two tonight my friend. oh wow look at me go two for two uh it's a game i said before on this podcast i love the demo it it was a lot of fun and i think that's where my fun would stop like i can't picture myself paying 60 bucks going in and diving in for you know, putting 20, hours in on hours. this game yeah. no it was super fun in the short burst that i had with it and i'm very happy at that as they say, I'm good. <laughs> Next up, we had Nintendo Shadow Dropped, the Mini Direct. Yeah, the uh, the partner showcase for October, the last one of the year. Oh, they, they said it was the last one. Oh, okay, they did, I, I, they did. I last one of the year. And when they said that, I looked down and I see 19 minutes, and I'm like, we gonna get fucked up. It's gonna be awesome. And uh, you know what? It mostly delivered it. It didn't light the world on fire, but it brought games to the system you didn't think would come. And it also gave us updates on games we're looking forward to. So uh, I'll go through it. I'm going to speed through a lot of this because, like I said, it's really cool for, for a lot of people. There was only really two things that stuck out to me that I'm super interested in, uh, and they are both at the end. So I'm going to f- kind of fly through it. But really, Bravely Default 2, that RPG is such a cult classic on the 3DS, Bravely Default 1. They're bringing the sequel to the Switch, which you can't hate on. Loving that. Uh, They did something really neat. So they delayed it until February 26, 2021. I think we all saw that coming. Uh, So we have a new launch date, February 26, 2021. But what they did was the demo that they released at the beginning of the pandemic, they put out a survey. 20,000 people responded to that survey based on what they played in the demo. And they actually listened. They took the fan feedback. They implemented it into the game. And that helped them, not helped them, but that was a, a reason for the delay. They wanted to make it better for the fans. And God damn it, when you do that, even if this game is not for me, another JRPG anime style thing, God damn do I love when companies do that and listen to the fans. Oh, it doesn't happen often, right? No, man, especially, <laughs> especially in gaming where it takes years and years and years to develop and you got to love that fan feedback played a played a hand in what this game's going to look like. That's really cool. They went into Story of Seasons coming out March 23rd. Then they did Surviving the Aftermath, Spring 2021. They then took a few minutes, showed a new trailer for Immortals Phoenix Rising, which was the former game called Gods and Monsters. Uh, this is a game I am so looking forward to this year. It's now just a week before Cyberpunk, so I have a decision to make. This is a contender for me for a game I want to play pretty much more than anything else for the rest of the year outside of Spider-Man. So I'm really, really excited for this game. I will not be getting it on the Switch. I'm going to go PS4 just because I'm looking for it to be gorgeous, uh, not just to play it on my handheld. I'm stuck inside. I ain't going no fucking where. (laughs) So if if I can play it on PS4, I'm going to at this point. Um, So another one there, December 3rd, Immortals Phoenix Rising. They did a small sizzle reel. Bakugan, an update, November 3rd release date. Griftlands, summer 2021. Tropico 6, it's a very Sims-like game. That's going to drop November 6th. Then they did two insane announcements. Actually, the one, two, 
three, four, five announcements that they ended this with are all pretty insane in their own right, even if they don't all speak to me. They're bringing Hitman 3 to Switch. Yeah, I, 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 I see, I see that to, to, to do that, but why, I don't, I, I just, why wouldn't you want to play on your PlayStation or, or something that could, you know, the allure, I, the allure yeah, to play the on the go, yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, 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 this one is not a on the go thing, and I'll get into why in a moment after I talk about the next game. But this is the allure of playing handheld when your significant other is on the television and you don't want to look at your phone, but you want to play Hitman. Or when, you know, the kid is, you know, watching super simple songs for the 700th time that day and you want to just play your Switch. It's that allure of being able to just pick up and play and not have to dominate the television. That means a lot to people. Now, there is, a, there is an also a factor of, of playing it on the go. But here's why. They also announced Control which was IGN's game of the year last year, a game so technically impressive, I never thought the Switch could run it. But that is also coming to the Switch. Oh, by the way, it's available right now. They shadow dropped IGN's 2019 game of the year on PS4 and Xbox One on the Switch. Never thought that could happen. That motherfucking console can barely run The Witcher 3, and that came out on the 360. (laughs) So, like, it's pretty insane to think about that. Now, here are the caveats. By the way, it's the ultimate edition with the DLC and shit. Like you're getting everything. Here are the caveats about Control and Hitman 3 and why I think the on-the-go premise doesn't really apply to these games and why I think they make sense for the console, but also the reason I'm staying as far away as possible and will play on the PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Series X, wherever I choose to play on console. Here's why. They snuck it in there, and they didn't tell you at all what it is. But because I'm a Nintendo nerd, I know that they tried this with Resident Evil 7 back in Japan, and it worked like shit. A little different story, but this is the cloud version of the game. It said Hitman 3, cloud version. Control Ultimate Edition, cloud version. And you might ask yourself, what is that? Sam, if I had to test you and give you a, hey, trivia question, Sam, what does Control and Hitman 3 cloud version mean? What would you tell me? I would say, is it it's digital only? It is digital only. You're absolutely correct. But you stream it. It's like PS Now right now. You you stream the old games. You don't just download them and play them. The big the big difference between Game Pass and PS Now for now until until PS Now and PS5 comes out. But you actually have to stream these games. So you need good internet. Which not everyone has. And if you don't have it, the game's going to lag like shit. It's going to look worse. And quite frankly, I know it was only released in Japan, but Resident Evil 7 was really the test child for this, and it didn't go well. Now, pinging a server across the ocean, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But to play Control and have to stream it, handheld, docked, whatever, listen, the fact is the streaming is awesome because it doesn't take any space up. It doesn't take up anything on your hard drive because you're streaming it. Yeah. That's the allure to people. Oh, I can play Control, this giant fucking game that won Game of the Year, and it doesn't take up a single gigabyte on my 32-gig hard drive or whatever external storage I purchased. That's a real big selling point to people. But for me, I do not and never, ever will. It's the reason I'll never play Stadia. I never, ever want to stream playing a game and have my internet connection that I share with my 200 neighbors ever yeah. affect my experience. 
Yeah, agreed. That's hard pass for me as well. Yeah, so a cool thing, and it's nifty. There will be people out there that take advantage of that. And the fact that it's even available is neat. It's just something I'm going to hard pass. If I want to play Control, like you said, I'll play it on my PS4. Yeah. We got an update for No More Heroes 3. No release date, but we got a brand new trailer, one of the most anticipated games on the Nintendo Switch of the year, and we got the Shadow Drop on Switch. No More Heroes 1 and No More Heroes 2 available right now, both on sale for less than 20 bucks. So if you're looking to play as Travis Touchdown, get into the No More Heroes series. This, my friends, is your entry point. No More Heroes 3 was easily the best game they showed. Travis Touchdown's wild. He looks super fucking cool. I think the trailer for the final game uh, and then the game I'm about to talk about looked cooler. I love Travis Touchdown. I love the first No More Heroes. The second one, people widely believe is better. I actually don't. So I'm kind of out on No More Heroes 3, and I'm not going to purchase the two, one and two on Switch. Um, but I can't fault you if you do, because they have a lot of appeal. Yeah. Now, Hell Laboratories. You may be thinking, I know that name. Yeah, because they were responsible for the first Super Smash Brothers game on N64. They came out with a new game called Part-Time UFO. You help people get shit done uh, as a UFO. And think about it like a crane, like the UFO its legs drop down and they pick it picks things up and you got to place them like you know boxes or cheerleaders because that's a thing um and it is kind of nifty it's like snipper clips almost there's co-op uh it's really cool by the way it's available right now they shadow dropped that game and if you like the crane games well then this speaks to you again it was interesting is it enough for me to go spend 15 bucks on or i think it's actually only eight dollars i don't even remember uh but Probably not. Probably a pass for me. But again, shadow dropping games is always a cool thing. I love that. And Nintendo uh, does it the most. They do it. They really do. They do do it the most. And PS5 is going to do it uh, in November. And uh, it's that's not a shadow drop, but whatever. They're going to do a really cool thing for another game we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then they ended it with the Big Daddy, the Papa, the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity update. Uh, listen, the Warrior series, everybody... It's, it's a little bit divisive. If you love it, you absolutely love it. If not, well, then you probably, it doesn't speak to you because it's just waves and waves and waves of enemies. This one giving the prequel to Breath of the Wild in that Breath of the Wild art style. This fucking trailer had the divine beasts in it. And if you know anything about Breath of the Wild, to be able to play as them and to watch them do their thing was magical to watch on the screen. And then guess what they did? They shadow dropped a demo. And it was the entire first chapter. You can go play the entire first chapter now and the save data from your demo will carry over to your main game so you don't have to play it again. And again, if you're unfamiliar with High Roars, think of Breath of the Wild meets Dynasty Warriors and they just fused. It's unbelievable how neat that premise is. And Hyrule Warriors on the Switch, the definitive edition, very, very good. Also good on the Wii U and the 3DS. But to be able to just go play a demo of a game that comes out in less than a month, November 20th, and a game of this caliber, Nintendo's, let's call it what it is, it's their big holiday title this year. Yeah. You better just go play the first chapter. It's awesome. So you best believe I did. Oh, Jesus. Downloaded that demo immediately following the direct. Waited for it. Immediately it. beat it. Um, you ready for this one, Sam? I'm here. I'm out. I'm out. No good. I'm out. And it's, 
I loved the first Hyrule Warriors because I did not know what to expect. This, I can tell, is going to be an incredible game. I really can. And it's going to tell the story I want to know. Okay, but... If it plays like it did in the demo, I'm talking, we were lucky to get 20 frames a second. It was so choppy and so laggy that I it, it became unplayable. I literally quit three quarters of the way through the first mission. I couldn't oh, play that's it. That's a damn shame. Now, do I think the final version will run and kind of look the way this demo did? I'm on the fence because it comes out in a month. Now, what I think it is, is it's an older build. This isn't like what the game plays like now. So my thinking is they put out an older build and they said, here you go. And people are going to respond. Twitter's already lighting up like this frame rate blows chunks. And I think that they are avidly working on that. And the feedback that they're getting on Twitter, on Facebook is just hammering home. You guys need to fix this shit. And I think like it was their test. Do people care enough because it's Hyrule Warriors. It's fucking Warriors mixed with Zelda. Like that people. So so there could be a delay in in that game's future. No, no, I, I don't think so. They don't have another holiday game. They can patch it day one if they need to. Um, so I don't think there will be a delay. But if if feedback comes back from the full release that there's frame rate dips and it plays real choppy, I'm I'm going to be far, far away because it was so disappointing because Nintendo thrives on quality. Their games are pristine. There are no, there's not really many bugs. There's not really many game-breaking glitches. There's not They play so well. To have this was a little disappointing to me, and uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm I'm out right now because it was so unplayable. Cool premise. It it was fun while it lasted. It just was unplayable. So get no uh, more Heroes Three. You'll be better off. <laughs> that was that was the direct mini October partner showcase, the final one of the year, and what I think personally will be the last direct in general of the year. I think we're probably going to get another one in late January. Maybe mid-January, but I don't think we're going to see the term Nintendo Direct for a little while. And, and they're, they're fine. Nintendo had a great year. And speaking of Nintendo, gives Fire Emblem fans an awesome surprise for its 30th anniversary. Fire Emblem is getting a better 30th anniversary treatment than Mario got for his 35th. This boggles my gosh darn mind. Ouch. How, how Fire Emblem is getting the works. So Fire Emblem, the original Game Boy game, I think, or no, NES game, I'm sorry, the original NES game that only came out in Japan is getting, uh, has been localized for America, is getting re-released, and with the special edition, you're getting a, a reproduction Nintendo cartridge available in English, you're getting all this cool art book, you're getting fucking like a statue, you're getting all this cool stuff, and for Mario's, we got a half-baked couple of ports oh and this just in they're throwing in mother three so i don't think i put it in my notes did i so (laughs) on twitter i retweeted the the tweet of this announcement and i said this gives me hope for mother three if they are going to (laughs) shut up i didn't didn't see your twitter either that was just me for four years i've been asking for mother three since the podcast started it's a 20 year old game damn it just localize it what i think this does is (sighs) You're localizing. This isn't the first time they're localizing an old game. They did it with some Final Fantasy games and stuff. So like you're localizing or no, I'm sorry, some uh, mana games. So you're you're localizing older games. You know people want Mother. It just leaves the door this much, Sam, in the camp, this much open 
So they're saying there's a chance. Exactly. So if you're a fan of Fire Emblem, the original on the NES that you never got to play on the Famicom, actually, if you're a fan of that franchise, and if you play Smash Brother, you probably hate it uh, because of all the damn Fire Emblem characters. But uh, the original from the NES is coming to the Switch in December. I want to say the third or fourth, but it's getting much better treatment than all than Mario 3D All-Stars because that game is so disappointing from an extras standpoint. And I'm very mad. But again, if you're a Fire Emblem fan, check it out. Xbox shared an update on their backwards compatibility. And after 500,000 hours of testing, every single Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One game, with the exception of those available to play with Kinect, because there ain't no more Kinect, will all be available to play backwards compatible on the Xbox Series X and S. Just a very cool thing that they are doing, not just the Xbox One era, but every Xbox game ever made. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I thought this was always like set in stone with them. So like, I, I didn't even think this was new. I was like, oh, I already thought they were all compatible anyway. It's Well, you still got to test it all. Like Sony, their intention was to do it for PS4. But after testing, they realized that those 10 titles weren't compatible. It's just nice to know that every single test worked and you have no limit outside of, you know, connect Star Wars, which nobody fucking played anyway. Yeah. Uh-oh, some some bad news for Halo fans. Halo Infinite loses its director. It man, what a what a kick in the pants, man. So, yeah, uh like I said, this bad news keeps getting worse for for this game, which Chris Lee, who oversaw production of Halo at 343, um since the delay, he has now made the announcement he'll be leaving the project as the game's director. He announced that on Wednesday to Bloomberg News. Uh, most likely Jason Schreier. Uh, so he is actually the, the 343's, ha- I'm sorry, Halo's second director over the past two years to leave 343. That's bad news for 343. Halo has been in trouble since it left Bungie um, and has kind of shifted to 343 beginning, I believe, with Halo 3. Might have been Halo 4. But I don't think Halo Infinite's coming out for another year. I don't think we get this game till holiday 2021 at this point. I think it's very deep in development, but there is, there is something here where there is smoke. Why would this director after this delay leave the project? Either he wasn't working out or he just realized this game is in so much trouble and there are greener pastures. I don't know, and but I, I was I'm not, say, I I'm think not I said, happy. I think I said on the podcast a while ago, I said, what if the Halo does get delayed till the end of 2021? And I think you were saying, there's no way it's too big of a game. And so I maybe, was thinking, I was thinking March, maybe May. Yeah. There's a really, but I mean, again, you weren't thinking that the director was about to leave, you know, gosh, darn man. It's like, it might be a November 2021. I, I mean, you know, what, which is even funnier is on the, the new Xbox box itself is master chief on the back. Which is which was probably designed, you know, months in advance, thinking that it was still going to be, you know, a day one, you know, title, and it's just that could be the next following year. Oh, it's just crazy! It's so crazy what's happening. It's, it's, it's a shame, man. It really is. And and I hope, I truly just hope that it lives up to expectation. But the longer this delay goes on, and the less we know about the new release date, the less I believe it's going to come to Xbox One. I just think they might just go next gen with it, which will kick me right in the pants because I had zero intentions of getting a Series X 
or a Series S ever. So uh, that kind of sucks because <laughs> then I won't be able to play Halo Infinite. I mean, so I, I met Halo. They're, they're going to have to say some news or who's going to you know be the next director. Mm-hmm. They, they have to announce that soon. They, they can't just let, let it go without months without saying anything, right? They got to hire someone first. Yeah, I that's mean, what I'm that- saying. So it's like I would imagine that they're going to want to do that fast. They're not going to wait until <sighs> 2021 to up oh, the new director, even though this game is supposed to come out in three months. Listen, it's going to have an interim director until they figure it out. I just wouldn't be surprised if they go external. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if if the internal is having all this problem, like if they're having all this, why inter, why promote from within? Bring out the bring in the outside voice, you know. What that could lead to is rewrites, script scrap scrapping whole sections of the game, and so I, I think we're in for a lengthy delay. I'm going to call November 2021 at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Destruction All Stars has been delayed until February and will now be a free. PS Plus title. So it's like good and bad. So Destruction All-Stars was announced with the PS5 announcement back, I think, in July. It's that twisted metal Fortnite-type style, which I'm so out on. They should have just made it a twisted metal game. We said that in that episode when PS5 was announced. And uh, it was supposed to come out later this year with the PS5. It has now been delayed, and only until February, so it's not like groundbreaking, but not a lot of positive feedback going on around this game. But... The positive is now you won't have to fucking pay for it. If you have PS plus, you'll just get it, which is nice. And part of that PS plus program that they're doing with all those, you know, those great big giant PS4 games and hell, it could be just one of those monthly free games that they're going to do much like a game we'll talk about in just a moment. But if you had any interest in destruction, all stars, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer, but at least you won't have to pay for it. Bug snacks will be a free PS plus game on PS five at launch. Holy moly. Uh, was Bug Snacks my game of the year contender? Nope. Was I uber looking forward to it? Was it going to make me buy a PS5? Nope. Do I like the idea of Pokemon Snap on PS5 with Bug Snacks? I kind of do, but it wasn't enough for me to pay $60. If I get a PS5 or when I get a PS5, I am absolutely getting PS Plus back, but I think it might be gone at that point. I think it might only be for the first month of launch. So hopefully it stays free. I don't think it I don't think there's any reason to, but to be able to play this game for free at launch for those people that go out, spend $500 on the console, don't have the other money to go, you know, buy Spider-Man and this and that and the other game that they want to get. You at least got bug snacks. (laughs) Madden 21 and FIFA 21 will get their next gen versions on December 4th. Happy birthday to Ryan Cunningham, December 4th. And again, it's just like this is not really something I'm going to elaborate on. If you were holding out for Madden 21 or FIFA 21 to get them with your PS5, with your Xbox Series X, you now have the date. You can play them before Christmas. They're going to sell a lot of copies when it gets to that Christmas time when people buy it for others. It's going to be a lot of attach rate there. You got to wait three weeks. No big deal. I'm I'm in the camp of Madden 21 is already going to be six months old. Just wait till 22. Just wait till next year's Madden. You're going to spend 60 bucks on it. Wait till next year. Even after going gold, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed again. It's not it's not like uh, the end of the world. It's 3 weeks now until December 10th. That sucks. It's good and bad. It sucks I, because- but didn't they promise that <laughs> there wasn't going to be delayed again? O- originally originally supposed to come out I think November 19th, which was only a week after the new consoles launch a week after Spider-Man Miles Morales. So I was a little butthurt that I would have to speed through Spider-Man. Now I don't have to, but now it's a week after uh, 
Immortals Phoenix Rising. So again, that like, what do I do? I do already have it pre-ordered and I have it pre-ordered at a discount. So I don't want to cancel that because I don't want to pay 60. I'd rather pay 45. So that sucks. And I get, and going gold, it just means that like, they're not going to do, you know, any more to the disc version. They're going to work on patches and stuff like that, but like it's ready to ship. So generally there's not a delay after that. And of course the PR team on Twitter, the day before they announced the delay, uh, answered a fan's question of, are you absolutely going to release this game? Cause I, you know, I'm, I want to, I only have money for one game and I'd like it to be this, but if you're going to delay it, <laughs> you want to take off a of work or something like that, right? Yeah, that too. Yeah. And they said, absolutely no more delays. And, um, that was the day before they announced the delay. So PR and, uh, the head of the company, not on the same page there. So that, that, that yeah, stinks for the guy media. who's controlling Twitter. The problem I have with this is the fan reaction. Like a bunch of fucking babies. There are send they're sending death threats. But dude, to me, it's it's the same bullshit that we saw in Last of Us Two. It's like you know, okay, you didn't like this game, so you 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 threatened the director of the game. It's like, come on, people, get a life there. Come on. They have been so kind of the CD Projekt Red's credit. They've been like screenshotting the DMs they're getting, and they're actually saying like, we're going to take action on this. There was somebody that said like, I'll kill your firstborn if you delay this game again, or if you don't release it, just give me the fucking game, or I'm going to kill you. Like the shit that you just don't need. Grow the fuck up, people. So uh, three weeks isn't the end of the world. And I I think that the true reason for this game being delayed is I think they're having problems with the way it it performs on current gen, which sucks because I'm getting it on current gen. Um, And also they're saying shipping issues because of all the SKUs that's coming out of next gen. I'm I'm sure sure it's a bit of everything. You know what I mean? You know, so three weeks, not the end of the world, but... It's just kind of shitty because it's been delayed seven times yeah. already. So, like, what's three more weeks? But once you say guaranteed no more delays and then you delay it, that's Yeah, all, all, all they need next is, well, it ain't going to be out till January. Yeah. That's a then it shit will really hit the fan. <laughs> Skater XL strikes again. The reason this game has been hanging on to my top three of the year has been because of its promise. The promise for more. And... It only has the five, eight maps and only five of them are really playable. The other ones are like too small. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. I don't mean the size of the map. I mean the actual obstacles. They're just too small. Um, So, and the PC version, you get all the community made maps and you get all the community made, you know, um, clothing and decks and wheels and all the cool stuff. Like the real customizable stuff that makes that game still playable by so many people that are enjoying it and I'm stuck playing it on console where I just don't get dinky do until I wake up on like Monday morning and they randomly say, drop a minute trailer randomly. IGN actually dropped this trailer too. So that's how I found out about it. Easy day studios is bringing community created stuff to console this holiday. Oh baby. I lost my shit. Now what they didn't do was they didn't get specific. They showed off three new maps that the community has made, and they're all big, and they're all three of the maps, Apple Park, that I really wanted to play. So I'm like super looking forward to what this is. But they didn't say, is it only these three maps? Do you have access to all the community-made maps? Is there going to be a community mod in the in the console space where you know approved maps can get uploaded to the consoles? 
Is it going to be the clothing or do we have to stick with the real bad clothing options we have now? It didn't give us a lot of what that is. Now we are promised new information soonish and it is coming this holiday, but man, to, even if they gave us those three maps that adds 40 hours for me, cause I still play the, wow. the eight maps that we have and it's still just as good. Um, cause I'm too fat and too, uh, too fragile to go skate now. Uh, it's just, it keeps me active in the skate community. So like this game, getting extra content is exactly what I need. And it's a $40 game. Go pick it up now. So you can get your shit together before the new stuff comes out and enjoy it when it does. I hope it's all the, I hope it's the bells and whistles. I hope it's all the community stuff that the PC version gets. That would be sick. I don't know if it will be, even if we get those three maps, I don't think you're going to even have to pay for them. I think it's going to be a free update. So uh, if if so facto, Skater XL has continued to wedge itself in the conversation as a top three game for me this year. Temtem will be coming to PS5 this December in pre-release access. If you don't have a Switch and you want to play something like Pokemon and you don't have a PC, now you can. Temtem, December, I think 4th, will be in pre-release uh, so you can play it on the PS5. That's exciting for a lot of people. Uh, I played not the, us. <laughs> I played the early access on PC for about three hours. I wasn't overly impressed by the character models, um, or, or just the, or overt- anything for that matter. <laughs> just, it's so overtly a, a rip of Pokemon, which is okay. You're capitalizing on the most popular franchise of all time. Um, it's cool. I, I prefer Pokemon. Obviously it's cool, but the fact that it's going to be on P- and console now, it's just another reason that I, I, I'm happy I'm not a PC gamer. That's all. Yeah. I might have to wait for a little bit, but it could be worth the wait. Far Cry 6 has been delayed until after March. We got to wait a while before we see our boy Giancarlo Esposito as a mad drug lord in Far Cry 6. Well, that's okay because you could see him on The Mandalorian Season 2 right now. I'm psyched on that. Episode so, one, baby, on it's out. I, uh, oh, man. I cannot wait. We're going to talk about the first episode next week. It's probably going to lead off the show. I wouldn't be, sh- I wouldn't be shocked. We give our, uh, episode. I, I, one I, I imagine we've been waiting, biting at the bit for this show. So yeah, I, I, I can say it's probably starting the show off. I cannot wait. And the last store we have in gaming, we have some pumpkin Jack impressions. Now this episode is dropping right near Halloween. So we wanted to, you know, give us a spooky stuff here in the gaming section. Ended on a spooky note, pumpkin Jack. Thank you. To our friends over at Head Up Games, Gregor uh, and Co. over there at Head Up for the free review copy. We really appreciate it. So this game, again, hashtag free game. This is provided to us from Head Up. Uh, and uh, it's a $30 game on the Nintendo eShop uh, for Switch. It is now on sale for $24. It just came out last week. I think it was October 23rd, so right in time for Halloween. And I am happy to say that it is completely mediocre. Now, now I say that actually lovingly. So I know I'm going to get shit from Gregor for this. I'm sorry. Dude. One to ten. It's like a four dim I'm light. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The last time we reviewed a head up game, he replied back with like, hey, I'm sorry that you feel the way you do. And that's cool because it I actually that means a lot to me when the publishers are reaching out and engaging with with the content creator. Yeah, so, and, you, and you're giving your honest opinion. Th- that's what I'm doing here, right? It's my honest opinion. It's a 3D platformer. So all all ready. I'm in. Platformer is my favorite genre. 3D platformer I feel is underrated. Mario 64, Mario Galaxy, 
in that vein. Um, love the 3D platformer. But for $30, I just don't see the value. And that's where I ding it. I don't necessarily ding it in the gameplay. Like the gameplay is okay. It's okay. So you are a pumpkin man. Think of like Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. But if he was a pumpkin, not a skeleton, right? So Pumpkin Jack, it's a Halloween town. The story to me was irrelevant. I don't have to get into it now. You're going around in this cemetery, barnyardy kind of vibe. Um, you're getting to the end of the level. You're killing the ghouls and the ghosts that pop up and, and the bosses and all this stuff. But here's where I'm at. Excruciating load times, especially after you die, it loads for almost a minute after every death. And in a platformer where you die, that is so immersion breaking that it's mm. a little disappointing there. The combat, a little repetitive. You get a you get a bird, you just hit L and the bird does its thing. You attack with Y with a, you know, you get a shovel, and then you can upgrade that to a scythe when you beat a boss and stuff. So it's cool, but it's very repetitive combat. And quite frankly, I didn't love the combat. And I'll say why. For the first boss, I literally ran in circles and just tapped L over and over. And my bird did all the work because I just ran away from things. It was a little sexual and violent. It was a little easy. Uh, It was a little easy. Now, graphically, beautiful. Love the art style. Really cool. Reminded me of playing a, a Spielberg game, like a Spielberg movie. It was really neat there. So I love that. The music of all the spooky games. I think this is nailed Halloween music. You want to talk about typical walk through a graveyard on Mischief Night music. That's what you get here. Loved it. Really, really cool music. Um, the platforming itself, tight. The controls, very tight. Love that. Love that I hit the button and it does what I want it to do. Um, I actually loved at the end of the first level. It's like in Crash Bandicoot when you're getting chased with things and you have to platform through those obstacles. Love that. Again, story, not really there for me. The enemy variety, not really there for me. But here's where I say the value of this game at $30. It took me just under four hours to beat it. And it was very easy. And it didn't, it wasn't really memorable. And I don't have any urge to go back and replay it on a higher difficulty. So for me to pay $30 as a consumer for a game that you get four hours out of, you know, 10 bucks an hour almost, that's, you know, it's like, that's not great value. If you like ukulele, if you like a hat in time, if you like Halloween, this game is for you. This game, it is on sale for 24 bucks. This is a $19.99 purchase. I think it's perfect. And I would give this game all the recommendations, all the kudos in the world at $20. Just at $30, I didn't feel the value. Now, granted, again, free game. Thank you again to head up for that. But if I was saying, you know, hey, Sam, I bought this new game, 30 bucks, here it is. I just didn't feel like my purchase was, was necessarily warranted at a $30 price point. This game drops to $19.99. I'm all over it. So check it out. If you have the $30 right now, $24 on the eShop, Pumpkin Jack, great, great platforming, great graphics, some of the best music I've heard on the console. Just a little short. I can respect your honesty, my friend. Let's get in the movie section, my friend. <clears throat> and I'm so tired of talking because when we have a big gaming section, I know I do so much fucking talking that everybody hates it. Well, well hey, we know that you can get on your soapbox, mm. but that's okay. It's we just it. so it's so much. That, no, uh, it's, it's good to vent. You have that built up in you all week. You know, it's good to get that out. Then you all are going to love a tease I'm going to drop. Uh, in a couple weeks. You're going to love that if you love hearing this voice, but I'm going to kick it off in the movie section too. Now, 
you have not seen this, correct? I have not. I, so I, I, give, I heard mixed things, though. I'm going to give my spoiler-free impressions for Yeshima Borat, the subsequent movie film. Uh, the sequel, Borat 2, if you want to call it that. If you want to call it by its full name, you can. It's way too long for me to pronounce right now. But Borat, subsequent movie film, Amazon Prime, a free watch. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. We watched it the day it came out, Ashley and I. Um, she, but with 20 minutes left, she gave up. She gave up. And, I, and I've, I've heard that from a few people, actually. I, I kept on drudging. I kept on going. And by the way, the ending, that last 20 minutes, she missed some of the best shit. I actually think the ending is phenomenal. So here's where I think it differs from the first film and why a lot of people are divisive on it. This one tries to be an actual movie more than the first one where it was very skit heavy. And they just kind of put, you know, situation after situation after situation and mend it together with Pamela Anderson as the overarching storyline where the second one actually tries to be a movie. They get an actress to play his daughter. That's not a, that's not a secret. It's in the trailers and stuff. And everybody knows who Borat is now in the freaking world. So he can't go around as the same character because people would catch on to it and they know it. So he does this really cool thing of let me dress up and do this and do that. Similar to like Johnny Knoxville going as bad grandpa and just ways to be unrecognizable. But they weave this story in about Mike Pence. And there's even a deleted scene with Donald Trump and, um, you know, with Rudy Giuliani, who is the main uh, uh, goal for them during this film. But where it fell for me short, extremely short, was when it tried to be a movie. The inter, the like the interwoven stuff with him and his daughter missed so heavily. What hit, just like the first one, are those times where he's in the room with the people who don't know who he is and, you know, two ladies in a synagogue and even Rudy Giuliani and Mike Pence and, and two guys in a, in a, in a, in a log cabin. Those moments are so great. And what make Borat Borat and shock value and all of that. But the other hour and, you know, change, it's just like, what am I watching? I'm watching a movie where I don't want that. Yeah. So it, it, it did leave me with mixed feelings. Yeah. Over. So a- after hearing everyone's kind of all over the place, it was great. It sucked. Don't you like, I am in no rush to see this now. See, now I, I disagree I was, with that. You, you owe it to yourself to watch it. No, I, I, mean, laughed, I will. It's just, I, I have so much other shit that is going to come before this. Like this is going to be on the back burner, like another movie you're going to be talking about soon. But I don't know. I, absolutely positively recommend this as a watch because the moments that are laugh out loud funny are beyond hilarious. They do a, such a great job. And the daughter is, she does a good job. It's actually like her first major acting role outside of her home country, I believe. So like it's good and it's worth the watch and the shit that's funny is funny. I just, I don't see myself really going back to it again. The first yeah, one I could watch. I mean, I mean that that tells me all I really need to know. The first one I could watch every year, and I'll laugh my ass yeah, off. So that, this that, one that, that that says a lot right there. And and I get where it was going to, and and quite frankly, listen, it's telling a story, and they want you to go vote, and they're trying to influence you that, and so I get that too. And they weave in the coronavirus and all this good stuff. And when this shit is done, and we have a widely available vaccine, I never want to think about the word COVID ever again. So this is not a movie I'm really going to go back to and look fondly at. Yeah. Worth the watch the first time. I can see if you're if you're ready to stop after that. 
Yeah. Another huge, though, DC figure is returning for the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Last week, it was Jared Leto's Joker. This week, Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke. Welcome. So back. we're all we're getting all new scenes. So even though he said we're going to get his original ending, obviously we're not going to get that now. We're going to get something something better. We know that um, Zack Snyder is actually filming right now because he's been posting pics, I think, on Twitter and, and Vero, his other account. So it's happening right now. What do you not like want to see, but how much with all the people coming back and all the story they have to tell? Now, granted, it's going to be four hours, so they got plenty of time. How much Deathstroke are you looking for? Like, what would be overkill? Is there such a thing I, as overkill? I would just love to see him go up against Batman. Just, just once. Be, just because, you know, he had when Ben was still directing, he – he showed the test footage of Deathstroke kind of on and or, you know, like opening when the, the plane opened up. I would just love to see them to hand-to-hand combat. I don't care if it's a two, five, ten-minute scene. Whatever they could do, I'm here for it. I love Deathstroke. He's one of my favorite villains. In any, I don't remember uh, it ever happening. In any live-action Batman film, has there ever been a Deathstroke Batman face-off? I don't think so. I think unless, you're, unless you're talking about Titans, Mm-mm. that's on, you know, on the um, – was. What was the universe? universe now yeah. it's HBO Max. That's yeah. the only live action Deathstroke. And of course, Arrow, if you think of that. Um, By the way, Manu uh, Bennett was phenomenal in the first two seasons as Deathstroke. Titans is coming to HBO Max on Sunday, by the way. So Yes, I, I, I did see that also. And we yeah. all know the, the Red Hood, all the good stuff's coming. So we can't wait for that. But I mean, hey, um, I would I want to see more Deathstroke footage than Joker footage. Put it that way. Okay. Now that's completely fair. Deathstroke... Because we've had so many iterations of the Joker, Deathstroke might actually be the more interesting character at this point because we don't know as I, much. I mean, I think it's probably 50-50. It's, you know, it's definitely more interesting to see Jared come back to see what he can do to actually give him some time to shine. Just I just sure. feel like they need to just make some changes on him. Hmm. But, yeah, you know, we mentioned that last episode. I won't even get into that now. But I, I want to see the same exact Deathstroke that we, we've seen in, in like the uh, – in what we've seen in even Josh's cut and, and, and Zach's cut. That that suit, his suit was awesome, and I think Joe, he deserves a little better than the last 10, 15 seconds of that movie. Was has he ever played Deathstroke before that fifteen second cameo with the like did he was he in any other No no well DC he well, we, saw, well, we never saw his original um cameo as Deathstroke because that was Zach's cut. We only right, got right. the Josh Whedon cut of him getting on the yacht with Lex Luthor. Right. So but like get, he was never in BVS or anything like that. Like, no, the first no, time we no. saw him was at the end of Justice League. Yes, correct. So we never saw anything afterwards. So this is really his time to shine as Deathstroke in the DC. Yeah, universe. because if, if I'm him, I feel kind of slighted. You know, at first you, you're at the ending of the movie. You first get this one cut, then another back is reshoots. Okay, so it's not that great. Then you're going to have your own movie about to be one-on-one with Batman, and then it just gets shut down. So I feel like this is kind of him like getting another shot to do this character justice. Out of a hundred, what percentage would you say we're going to get a Deathstroke Batman face-off? I mean, to me, it's inevitable. It's only a matter of time. I mean, I'm already hearing rumors that they're trying to get Ben back to do his own show as Batman. To who the hell knows what they're going to do over at HBO Max? I mean, if they want to have Ben Affleck back as Batman and bring Deathstroke, okay, that's fine. I can have Ben Bat Batman on HBO Max, and I can have Robert Pattinson on the movies. That's fine. I can live in that world. Yeah, I mean, we get different iterations of the Joker, even in film alone, not even considering Gotham. So having multiple Batmans, Batman, whatever, is not out of the realm of possibility. 
Not no, I mean, I mean, I think I speak for everyone in DC, where everyone would love Ben to get another crack as Batman. Let's talk about the Uncharted movie, which, by the way, just wrapped production as we record this. Uh, we got our first look as at uh, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, and we might even have gotten our first look at Mark Wahlberg as as uh, Sully. What'd you think? I mean, I, we we definitely got a first look at Mark Wahlberg. Uh, it was just sh- Mark Wahlberg with a mustache. Mustache. Yeah. I think he posted another picture today of in the dressing room of kind of uh, one of like Sully's shirts and his kind of cigar sitting there on the table. Um, I mean, I, the, the looks there, Tom Holland definitely. It, it, it's Tom Holland, but. The clothes that Nathan wears, I think he pulls it off, you know, fairly well. Um, the bigger, the bigger thing for me is going to be Mark Wahlberg as Sully, because I don't know if he's going to have the voice like Richard McGonagall had, um, that you know, that like that smoker's voice. I don't know if he, maybe he can, you know, I think he has the accent, but I don't know if he's going to have that. I don't know the rough edges that McGonagall had is playing the voice. What are you like now that it's done production and we're we're in there how you feeling like is this something you're you're psyched on like what do you oh, this, this is something i'm definitely going to see I'm, I'm hoping by the time it's released hopefully that movies are you know movie theaters are still even around at that point you know because right <laughs> now sure, we don't yeah. even know right i can't even tell you the last time i was in a movie theater um I, i'm going to see this movie regardless whether you know it, it, even if i have to wait till it comes you know to amazon or netflix or whatever I, i'll wait i'm definitely going to see this movie i'm just glad to see that even though the movie was announced when Tom Holland was 12 years old, that's how long this movie has been in development hell. It's just good to know that it's finally shot, it's done, and it's in the can, and hopefully we get this, and it turns out to be a really good movie. Uh, the last movie I saw in theaters was Sonic. Oh, I, I guess that was mine too. Yeah, back in February. Yep. So what came out? Did, did Birds of Prey come out after that? Didn't that get a theatrical run? You saw it when you were traveling? Yeah, work? I saw that when I was in class for work. Um, Maybe that was January? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't remember when I was in Like To be honest, 2020 kind of just like it's melted one one date to me. I, everything just molded together. Tomorrow is March 701st. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely with you. Uh, Sherlock Holmes 3 has been delayed and is now, quote, on the back burner. I mean, th- that's a shame. Um, I, I, I love the first two. Uh, Robert Downey and Jude Law, they, they make as Watson and Holmes. I think they're a great team. Um, I think even Downey put on his Instagram yesterday, kind of like, I'm getting in the mood to solve a mystery or on something along those lines. And so it's good to see that he's kind of, you know, hopefully wants to come back just as much as I want to see him come back as Sherlock, because I, I think this deserves a third one. How was the, didn't the second one, was that well received? The second one? I, I, I think it will. I think it was okay received. I don't know if it had, if it was as good as the first one, mm-hmm. but I, I still think it, it still stuck to landing and was still, it, uh, it, was, it was, put it this way. It was better than Iron Man um, three. <laughs> okay. That's uh, some people love that movie. Did, they do, but it, we all know that it's garbage. Could no time to die, which is the uh, last Daniel Craig, James Bond film. Could that skip theaters for a streaming service? And, and from what I read, um, that they were looking for six hundred million to sell it, and it, and from what I read, that uh, Netflix, Amazon, it was a little bit too much, and they wanted to spend. So, I, I still think that's in the air. Uh, I, I, what more can you do? P- push it back till twenty twenty one. I got ninety three bucks in cash. <laughs> I know. I, I think I. I don't you think know they'll take I, it. 
I think IGN, someone like that was on Twitter and IG and I commented, I was like, I got five on it. <laughs> I, uh, whew, I don't know. You know what I think is actually a really good barometer here is Borat. I think Amazon Prime, which is obviously less a less popular service than Netflix, but maybe just because a lot of people that have Amazon Prime don't know or utilize it. It's really, really good fucking service, like an incredible service. And so I think the numbers that we see from that being on a streaming service will tell us a lot. Do a ton of people watch it? Da, 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 da. And I think I don't think 600 is reasonable, though. I think you're probably looking at four. No, it's, and you I mean, might six, have to 600's a little high. I mean, you got to think the the budget they probably had in it was 200 marketing, but 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 so they probably need minimum four four fifty probably to break even. And so you take it at this point. You take the four and you because six. Mean, if, who's if, I'm, buy? if I'm them, I, if you really want to make money and you want to ride this out, sit on the movie. If and when it gets released, it's going to do well because people do love James Bond 007. He does have that cult following, you know, whether you love the Ian Fleming books that he wrote originally or, you know, from thereafter, the fans, the fans are still going to be there, whether it's released in theaters or not. The one service that I can see making a play on this is HBO max. So one streaming service, but they are so wildly overpriced and are so in bed with Warner brothers that I just, I don't know. Is this a Warner brothers film? I can't remember, but like, I can't remember either, but I, I just feel like HBO Max has so much money right now on just on the Snyder Cut, just on the Green Lantern TV show, and what other show that they already have cooking. I feel like they they already have too much money out that I, I think this will be too high for them. It, they, they do lack original content at this moment, and they're picking up shows from other countries and this, that, and the other. I just feel like a, if you want to make a splash, you know, this that could be a home. HBO, people still, when the, the first thing you think about you know, prior to Game of Thrones, when you think HBO is movies, you know, arguably it could be, uh, you know, The Sopranos, really. But Game of Thrones was the thing that brought HBO TV to like the forefront. And now every show, you know, Lovecraft Country and all these other things, you know, that it's making it enormous as a place to go as a destination for a television series. But HBO still made its chops with film. I, I just wonder, is that a possibility? So is a streaming service going to purchase it? Yeah, probably because delaying it for that much longer is just such a kick in the knackers. Is it going to be 600 bones, 600 million? I just don't see that. You know, four, maybe 450, maybe. But uh, I mean, either way, it's a big chunk of change. We will see. I think Netflix is the one that's primed the most when you talk about dollars, especially because we'll talk about how they're going to be making even more money real soon. Yeah. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with this film because I think it's going to set a precedent for other films, especially big budget ones. We saw uh, what's that? Uh, what's that? Tenant. We saw that one worldwide didn't even do close to what it was projected to do. So well, let's, let's, let's see what that. I mean, it's a good checkup. I haven't checked up on Tenant in a while. I just think that it's such a hit or miss to release something in theaters, especially American theaters right now. With the state of them. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, again, that movie, Tenet, $200 million budget worldwide. It made 341. So you figure they're probably, they either probably just made even or they're still a little under. And that movie will make even more when it gets released because there's a shit ton of people that are waiting for that to come out on Blu ray. And did. Yeah. And I I imagine that once the Blu ray sales kick in, they need to probably make 350 to 400 million to break even. That'd be my guess. 
The Tomb Raider sequel film has actually been delayed indefinitely. And the first one was just mediocre to begin with. So no, I don't and, think and, and, again, that, that, that's what I was going to say. I was like, right now where the world is, a film that just kind of made okay money, I, I makes per- perfect sense to just kind of say, hold on, let's wait a minute, or let's not rush into this sequel. Let's wait to see what happens to this film industry. I hate to be that guy, but Uncharted's probably going to just do what this film did, but it's going to have the I, stars. I hope this- it, if it does what this film did, but just a smidge better, or if Tom and Mark can kind of bring a little bit extra than what that, what that movie was lacking, I think Uncharted will be okay, just because I feel like Uncharted has more of a cult following than Tomb Raider does. Even though Tomb Raider's been around for years, I just feel like the Uncharted fans are a little bit more, I don't know, rambunctious? Rabid? Rabbit, that gets a better word. It, it's honestly, it's uh, as simple, quite frankly, as Uncharted has the star power and the the Tomb Raider films, albeit not the Angelina Jolie one, the, these ones, they just don't have that star power. People will go to see a Tom Holland film. People will go to yeah. see Mark Wahlberg with a mustache. I will. Uh, so I just I, think I, that I like both actors. So they're the I, same. I they're very close in premise. I won't say they're the same. Very close in premise. And Uncharted's also the new thing sequels are you have a first thing uncharted doesn't have a film so like it's it's also the great unknown so yeah if we're gonna get a you know a swashbuckling smart talking hero i think people are gonna choose uncharted over tomb raider so i wouldn't be i'm not surprised that the week we get this uncharted news that this tomb raider news happens yeah patrick wilson will return to both star in and direct insidious five so for you spooky horror fans, some more good news. He hasn't been in an Insidious movie since the second one, and he is a fan favorite. And now he's going to make his directorial debut. Not a bad thing. No, that's pretty cool. I like Patrick Wilson. I think he's a great actor. And these movies are low-budgeted movies, so it makes sense if three, four that made money, it makes sense to do five. Netflix will be working on a documentary about Vincent Kennedy McMahon with one of their biggest budgets they're ever going to spend on a documentary this is exciting yeah i mean if you if you watch wrestling especially in the heyday years this is this is going to be a must watch for everybody because vince god knows what he did i I can't wait to hear this budget 100 million you ready for a hot take as the kids say let me hear it i think vince mcmahon is the best uh play-by-play announcer wwe has ever had and that includes jim ross Oh, I, when I well, I would say him and Jim Ross, I consider them to the best two to ever do it. For sure. Um, actually, a lot of people hate Vince on, on commentary. I'm not going to lie, man. I grew up watching the I, – I started watching wrestling in about 92. I was about four, and Vince did it for five yeah, years. No, my he, first, he was great. I, I always liked Vince. I, he, he never bothered me. The first five years of my wrestling life was Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and nobody knew he was the owner back then. Yeah. He, everybody just thought he was the color commentator. And so JR, I love JR. I mean, he's got uh, the who, most. Who did it? JR's got the most iconic calls of all time. The hell in the cell thing, like all that stuff. By God, he's broken in half. Like all that stuff JR has coined. And he's great on oh AEW God, when, when he wants to be. But Vincent Kennedy McMahon, God damn. Now he's a piece of shit. So like, I hope this documentary doesn't paint him as not a piece of shit. So you're uh, gonna get to go. You're, you you have to get to go with the bed. If you don't get the Bob Costas interview, if you don't get the screw job, if you don't get the steroid stuff, like then it's not gonna do it a service. It actually do him a disservice. What I somebody said this is not my my own original thought, but man, somebody on Twitter said, what if they had bring this out and it's his announcement 
of it's like his retirement announcement is this grand opus documentary and i was like please get him out there so i can watch wwe again i haven't watched wwe since not a not a single thing probably two months i haven't even turned on i missed Uh, two pay-per-views i watch i watch every pay-per-view and i haven't watched a single thing because i'm just kind of over it right now but as we move into the television section another quick reminder Again, The Mandalorian Season 2 out right now. At least Episode 1 is. So go enjoy that. We'll talk about it a lot as we move into the next week's episode. But this is where our top three is going to lie. Because, my friends, not only have we found the director for Disney Plus's Moon Knight and Mohamed Diab, Diab, I'm pretty sure it's Diab, but moving forward, we may have also found our Moon Knight. It's about damn time. We haven't heard a thing about this series, and all of a sudden we get the director and possibly the lead actor. And quite frankly, I'm here for Oscar. I'm on team Oscar, baby. Let's go. Oscar Isaacs, let's let's give him another shot because... I like Poe Dameron, kind of. X-Men Apocalypse was garbage. You know, it's not his fault that, I don't know, the whole movie sucked. Apocalypse wasn't threatening. I, I... Everyone deserves a second chance, right? Well, he got he. I mean, he is Poe Dameron, so no, I no, no. But I, I hear chance. that that's Disney, but it's like you know Marvel or whatever. But I feel like okay, he was Apocalypse, but now he can just show us what he can do and really Star- ta- tap Star- into his act and his acting chops. Star Wars is also Disney, though. No, no, no. That that's what I'm saying. But I, I want like I want like Marvel characters. Kind of, he was Apocalypse. Now he's Moon Knight. Like how um, Ryan Reynolds was Green Lantern, then Deadpool. Uh, right. you know, Chris Evans was human torch, then cap. So like people have second chances. So, sure. you know, even Killmonger, you know, first he was human torch in this. So I feel like Moon Knight is to give him, even though everyone loves, like you said, I, I like him as Poe Dameron. He, he, he's probably the one tiny light in the that the new star Wars trilogies. Let's not forget. He was also in ex machina. That's kind of where he made a name for himself. Yeah. He actually did a really good job in ex machina. No, no, he, he's a good actor. It's, it's, I'm not just saying all, he, all he's got is, is, is star Wars. I'm just saying. He just needs for me to a redemption from Apocalypse. He was even Gomez Adams in the 2019 Adams Family, which is actually people really it's kind of got a cold following. People really like that film enough to where they're going to do uh, a new. Well, we'll talk about it, I think. Yeah, we'll talk about the Adams Family in a minute, but a sequel to that film as well. So listen, Oscar Isaac, I think he's got the look for Moon Knight. I think he's yeah, got he's, he's a good, good looking guy. And remember, Moon Knight's messed up. So he, he's really going to have to show his acting chops in this. I think he's got the reputation. I think he's got the skill. Again, I think that, you know, the the Star Wars 789 trilogy was so hammered and hunkered down by cheesy one liners and forced dialogue and writing out characters that deserve bigger storylines that post performance specifically and especially in seven was a little bit overlooked. I think he was a phenomenal piece of seven. And then you had that whole ambiguously gay thing with, um, with, uh, John Boyega it was like, are they a thing? Is Finn and Poe a thing? I think it was which, like, which I never thought once was a thing, I, but I mean, the fan base, they love theory crafting and things like that. So there was even like a fun little nickname for them online. And so he has his followers. He has the people that uh, believe in him. And I do too. And I, you know, sticking in the Disney family, he's been an X-Men. He's been in star Wars. Guess what? Moon Knight, Disney it's Marvel, but that's just Disney. So he's staying in the family. I'm all for it. He was even in spider verse. He didn't have a big part in spider verse, but Oh yeah. He was a Spider-Man 99, 2009. (laughs) So like there are there there 
it, it could be worse. I'm I'm here for the casting. I think Oscar Isaac, you know, can make a lot of the part. Now that's coming from somebody who knows next to nothing about Moon Knight and who, quite frankly, anybody could step into that role. And I don't have anything to compare them to because I've never really been a Moon Knight fan. But I've told you before, of all the potential series that could come to Marvel, all the characters I know nothing about, he is the one that intrigues me the most. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this show more than I'm looking forward to any of the Marvel MCU shows outside of Winter Soldier, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, so see, I'm even more hyped for Moon Knight than that. So that that's that, telling you something. Moon Knight's your boy. Now yeah. I'm I'm for this, and I know you said a minute ago, Yuli, let's see if he has the chops. And, and no, you're okay I, with, I know I know is he this is a good is this, is this a good cast? Is this are you here? I for think this? I think it is. I think it's a great casting. You 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 got someone who. Who is well known? His face, his name, and you know, not a lot of people know who Moon Knight is. So to get to cast a you know a well known actor, I think they they did it just. You know, he's not a, a super young guy. He's not an old guy. I think he's somewhere. I think he's like upper thirties, low forties. So I I think that's that's right where you want to be, especially if you're trying to get multiple seasons out of him. So with that, we were going to go over a lot of different top threes, and we we wanted to make it Moon Knight. We knew that. But what do we want to do here, that, and the other? And we landed on top three hopes that we have for this series. And that's a broad topic, we understand. But we just, this is, you're getting it from a giant Moon Knight fanatic in Sam and somebody who's not familiar with the character really at all and is going into this just very, very intrigued and dying for more. So you got two perspectives on it. I'm going to let you start. What are your top three, at least your number three, Hopes for the Moon Knight Disney Plus series. My number three is I hope that he does cross over with another Marvel character, whether it's Punisher or Daredevil. Kind of keep it in the same tone like that. Just know that it's in the same universe. You know, knowing, you know, I guess you you could have Daredevil coming back first in the She-Hulk series because that that series comes first. So it makes sense to see Daredevil and She-Hulk. But for Moon Knight, I think seeing like the Punisher, I, I think that makes perfect sense for him. I will go with my number three of, I think what the MCU shows don't do for me and where I'm like a little disappointed in what the MCU uh, shows are, are potentially leaving is the six episode miniseries idea, not leaving a lot of room for season two. And that's what I hope this show does. I hope this show leaves room for multiple seasons because I can already tell I'm, I'm probably going to love it. And I want more and more and more. He's not in the MCU. He doesn't have a film. We are going to get Moon Knight through the television. And I hope it stays that way because I prefer TV to movies. So give me multiple seasons, at least a storyline that can span across a couple. Yeah, I, I, I want like minimum five. That, that's, just, <laughs> that's just me being honest. That's right. My number two, I hope that they don't do his costume as the business suit like they did in Max Bemis' run of Moon Knight. I don't like that suit as Moon Knight. I don't want to see him in a business suit, in a white suit, like he's going to his Holy Communion. That I do not want. I think if that is, if that's what they do, I will be very disappointed in this show. I, I just, I know some people like it. For me, that is not my Moon Knight. Now, I love Max Bemis just as much as the next guy, lead singer and creative mind behind the band Say Anything, um, Two Tongues, amongst others. I have zero doubt in my mind that 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 wish that you have is going to get met there is no chance they go with his version it's way too new it's not the original they're going to go with as close to the original as possible in my opinion to get the entire fan base on board 
not just that. That's I my thought. Only, I can only hope. I think that you have a 100% chance of that coming true. That's just my thought of somebody who knows nothing, but just who knows how things work in general. I think you got a really good shot of that happening. My number two is that I hope this shit is R-rated. I hope this is dark. I hope this is very daredevil Punisher style where it's not this happy-go-lucky MCU thing. Um, give me oh, you know, tr- trust me, Moon Knight is not happy-go-lucky. <laughs> DC DC does for all the 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 you know missteps they've had in the film department. They just make hit after hit after hit from a television perspective. Marvel, at least commercially, is kind of the opposite. MCU box offices go nuts; they rave this, that, and the other, but they haven't really gotten the TV thing right just yet. And I think a little bit of that is because, holy fuck, man, are they kind of just like, it's the same thing. I want an R-rated Moon Knight show with pretty graphic imagery and bad language and all of it. And when I'm on my Disney Plus subscription, I want there to be an adult's little section there where I have to go specifically to get it. I'm looking for an adult-themed show here. Yeah, and we're in the same boat. My number one is that I hope it's R-rated. This show needs to be the, a mix of The Punisher and a mix of Daredevil, and it, and it has to kind of weave in together. And if you want to know the image that I'm thinking of, the how I want my Moon Knight to look, all you have to do is type in David Finch Moon Knight, how he draws Moon Knight or did draw Moon Knight. That's how I want his costume to look. If they do that, this show will not fail. Ironically... <laughs> Counterpoint to your number three is I just want a Moon Knight show. I actually don't want him to cross over with anybody else. And that, again, you're getting two perspectives here with this list because I know nothing about him. I want to just know more about him. If this is going to be what I think it is, is six to eight episodes. That's not a lot. So any screen time that is devoted to somebody else takes a little bit of the shine off of Moon Knight because I need, I personally need the full origin story. I just, they can't just no, jump and, in. And which is finally, I'm not saying he, he, like another Marvel character had to just be in the whole season. Even if he like Punisher just on the tagline of the last episode or something like that, just to know that John Bernthal's coming back or just know that the worlds are together. That's all I want. Just give me a T, just give me a little something that when it's over that I have something to look forward to for season two. And and you know what? If they do, if it's an end credit scene or like kind of like Titan season one or something like that, if they devote the final episode of the thing to it and they can open it, that's fine. I don't want – I want an origin story I guess is a better way to put this. Oh, you, you, I think for Moon Knight you have to just because so many people have no idea who the hell Moon Knight is. Yeah, and I want it to span a couple episodes. I don't need it rushed through the first episode. Give me a full two to three episode arc. Kind of like how Stargirl did it, quite frankly. I yeah. think Stargirl did a phenomenal origin story job with her. Um, so quite that first season is damn is just damn good television. So really hope we get a full origin story, not rushed, not over bogged down by any other MCU character. If you're gonna bring in somebody else like Punisher, Daredevil, even if it is the Netflix actors, which would be awesome to revive and a great way to bring them back. Wait until I get my origin story before you bring that in because I want all the shine on Moon Knight as somebody who just doesn't know much about him. You got it. Batman and the Red Hood. I'm sorry, Batwoman and the Red Hood both get new suits for their respective shows. Yeah, and I thought uh, Batwoman's suit, I thought she looked great in the, in the, in the new suit. 
And because it, it, that show, the first season, I always, it, it, I never thought they found their footing. So with her and the new casting, I, I think they would. It looks like the cast is behind her. And I've been hearing good things about the story. Red Hood, on the other hand, I, I, I love the suit even more. I think he looks, uh, I think he looks badass, even though we, even though my one pick of the week a couple weeks ago was like a Red Hood versus Winter Soldier, a little live action on um, Bat in the Sun. They did a great job, but I got to give it to the Titans. I'm really excited to see where they go for this Red Hood and, and what they do to his origin, because I, I don't think you're going to have, and maybe I doubt it, but you know, in the comics, he gets half beat or does get beat to death by Joker with a crowbar. So it's interesting to see where he will get his origin as Red Hood. Tim Burton is producing an Adams Family reboot series. Hello, Tim Burton, Adams Family, sign me up. I mean, yeah, it's obviously right up his alley. And did they say it was live action? I believe so. Okay, I'm here for it. Definitely want to see what I, that's his realm, his world. Yes, please. Netflix announces an Assassin's Creed live action series. Normally, this would kind of lead off television, but there's so much other stuff this week. Holy smokes. An Assassin's Creed live action series with other Assassin's Creed projects in the works. Now you have The Witcher and Assassin's Creed and Resident Evil. All the video game stuff going to Netflix. See, and, and Resident Evil's added all them three games is the only game franchise that I actually p- played. So I'm going into this just like I was to The Witcher. I'm still going to see it, even though I never played two minutes of gameplay. I'm all in for these shows because I, I just, I love them worlds. Assassin's Creed 1 was definitely not what I thought. Um, if they go that route for the TV show, which I assume they would, it will leave me a little disappointed if they go just straight old assassin, I'm fucking in. That would be really nifty, really neat. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be weary on this one because I gave The Witcher a shot. I didn't love it. I'm gonna do the same thing here. Kind of weary on it, but Resident Evil, like you said, I am all in. Give me all the smoke yeah. on the Resident Evil. Uh, also, give me all the smoke on this one. A Tiny Toons reboot series is coming to HBO Max and Cartoon Network. I mean, I'm here for it. Of course, I always want to see something when I want to see what the animation looks like. But, you know, you have my attention. The new Animaniacs trailer for the Hulu series looks fucking great. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does. I, I, I'll always like the originals. That's just how we I, I think you too. That's just what we grew up on. But I'm, I'm, I'm here for that also. And so, like, if it's going to be anything like that where you get – I mean, it's so damn close to the original animation style for Animaniacs. The voice actors are all back. Rob Paulson, uh, all of it. So love that. I'm here, man. I think that, that the Tiny Toons were like, listen – Besides the snorks, Tiny Toons were right up there with one of my favorites growing up. And you give me Plucky and Ham and Buster and Babs. The NES game is one of my favorite games on, on the system. So I like the Tiny Toons coming back. It's a great – it'll be like right when my daughter's probably like four, I'll say, when this show's coming out. Maybe three and a half to four years old. So uh, perfect timing for her to kind of start to get into that. Yeah. I think that would be great for us to sit back and, and enjoy I mean, it's probably going to be sooner rather than later since it's HBO Max. Um, it's probably going to be maybe even 21 because it's animated and you can do that from home. But I'm I'm looking forward to watching this one with Helena. That's going to be a lot of fun. The CW sets a bunch of premiere dates for their shows. So let's check them out. Um, both superhero shows and non-superhero shows. The uh, the Batwoman will be the first – I'm sorry. Batwoman will be the first Arrowverse series to make its return. Season 2 will premiere – January 17th. That's a Sunday 
at 8 p.m. That's during football playoffs, so that's a little rough. But yeah, the ratings ain't going to be strong. But the the you know the DVR that that that's what they'll get their numbers. Yep, and then uh, we have Arrowverse other stuff coming back from that verse. We have uh, Black Lightning season four, February eighth. That's a Monday at nine o'clock. Okay. The Flash season seven and the premiere of Superman and Lois will then follow on February twenty third at eight o'clock and nine o'clock back to back. So you get Superman and Lois preceded by the Flash. So that's going to be a big Tuesday night for a lot of people. February twenty third at eight and nine. Supergirl season six uh, and Legends Tomorrow season six are going to be included in this lineup. Me being those are going to potentially be saved for like mid season. Yeah. Um, so we'll probably get more information on that coming up. Um, and then Riverdale season five and Nancy Drew season two will both be on Wednesday, January twentieth. And the Jared Pedalecki series Walker, which we've talked about a little Walker Texas Ranger reboot series, will be January twenty. I just kind of want to see what that show is about because I used back in the day I used to watch Walker Texas Ranger or Papa Duke, so I'm just interested to see what what they kind of turned it into. You know what I mean? I just I just have to see what it looks like. If it's anything like what they turned into supermarket, what they turned supermarket sweep into, you're fucked. Yeah, I I heard people shitting all over that. What a fucking train wreck. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I never watched it. I I didn't watch anything. I just heard people say, "Don't even waste your time." Leslie Jones is the worst game show host you could Im- imagine the worst game show host ever. And then there's Leslie Jones. It's, yeah, and that's, she is, and that's she, she's is probably the main reason why I, I heard they said that she shouldn't. They, they, they did wrong when they picked her as the host. hundred percent. Welcome back to supermarket swipe. Uh, it's sweep. It's sweep. Stop fucking bastardizing my favorite game show of all time. I will give that show a lot of kudos. The new games are a lot of fun. They are really cool. Guess the logo. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, they had a dating app, Sweep Right. It's pretty cool. The new Sweep, instead of just three for five thousand, they can went up to a hundred thousand dollars. Their strategy behind it, I like it. She destroys the enjoyment I have for that show, though. Can't watch. Sh- it. That's a shame. Cannot watch any more of it because Leslie Jones is terrible. But moving forward, Netflix is raising its prices. We're going to be around after taxes, fifteen dollars. For the normal, good old-fashioned standard Netflix plan, you know, not the standard def one, the high def one, and then we're going to be uh, eighteen before tax, about twenty dollars for the four K version a month. Holy! I, I, I mean, hey, they got us by the balls, so of course we're going to pay for it right now. It's you know, it's getting us through half of this damn quarantine. Fuck that, dude! I actually, so I have the premium right now, the four K. Um, I downgraded today. Screw that. You hey, ain't dude. taking my goddamn money. No, they don't save, have, the, save the 450. They don't got me by no balls, man. I, I said I'll sacrifice 4K to go to 1080 because goddamn it, nobody can tell the fucking difference. Dude, I was going to say 1080, you know, maybe you could tell 4K looks a smidge better, but dude, 1080's fine. Save the 450 a month. 1080, 120 refresh rate on an 85 incher. I don't need 4K. I'll save my 450. That'll go towards my Hulu's, my Disney Pluses, my whatever's. Netflix, you don't got my all my money. You only got half of it. Simple yeah, as that. Or in case you might need that couple extra dollars to get HBO Max for two months. Last story of the night before Sam's CGC spotlight this week, and then we'll get on out of here. I have a review of an EP, and it is a phenomenal start to an EP that I found myself after the first song was like, this is going to be my EP of the year. I love it. 
and it does kind of fall off a little bit. And that's not like to say it's bad or that it falls off to where it becomes bad. No, the first track is just so unbelievably, unbelievably phenomenal that the other three tracks on the EP just don't hold that same quality. And I'm talking about Eli Hertz is the artist. And the, uh, the name of the EP is Future Accountants of America Unite. And if you're asking yourself, man, that's a strange title for an EP. You ain't heard nothing yet. The first song of the record that I am obsessed with and might be in my top three favorite songs of the year up there with Big Vibe and Equip Sunglasses from Hot Mulligan is a song called The Fucked Up Things About Us. This song is so incredibly phenomenal. Listen, this EP, it's 13 minutes long. It's actually 12 minutes and six seconds. So it's actually on the lower side there. It's 12 minutes long. It's four songs, right? It's a small investment of time. If you don't like it, don't go back to it. But what I will tell you is the fucked up things about us is one of the best songs you will hear this year. If you wanted Andrew McMahon, but as a massive potty mouth with, Uh how about this? If you wanted Andrew McMahon singing Max Bemis lyrics, that's what this song is. It's oh, that good. interesting mix, dude. I will send you the song and I want you to listen to it. And then I want you to realize that the rest of the, the rest of the record, what if real man and Eli hurts, he actually names the song after his project. It's fucking great. Uh, it's good. It just doesn't have that same wow factor as the fucked up things about us. I'm telling you, dude, if, if Andrew McMahon sang for say anything, that's what you'd be getting here. It's very piano heavy, so it reminds you of Jack's Mannequin. It's you could tell it's like a one man show. He puts a lot of love into it. The lyrics are batshit crazy for all four songs, and I say that lovingly. It's phenomenal from that aspect. And again, I cannot rave enough about how good the song, the fucked up things about us, is. I just wish that that momentum carried through to the rest of the record. The final track, Eli Hurts, does pick it up a little bit, so it begins and ends phenomenally. Kind of like Borat too, uh, it, and and away. But uh, the be- or that middle there, those middle two songs, they just didn't really hit as hard for me. So I'm I'm gonna recommend this record because it's four songs in twelve minutes. You really, again, if you don't like it, it's twelve minutes of your time. It's not even an episode of a TV show. So uh, I'll say you got to give it a shot. Eli hurts, especially the song "The Fucked Up Things About Us," one of my favorites of the year. The EP future accountants of america unite you will not be disappointed in the fucked up things about us and i'd love your thoughts on the other three tracks this is a great ep overall but really really anchored by how good the opening track is all right i'll have to check them out sam let's get your cgc spotlight this week. Okay, cgc spotlight this week one of my favorites batman 232 the first appearance of Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul, depending who's saying it. Origin of Batman and Robin Retold with Italia Cameo came out in June 1971. I have it in 9.4 off-white white pages. Denny O'Neill's story, Neil Adams and Dick Giordano art, and of course the Neil Adams classic cover. Surprisingly, there's 59 9.8s on the census, 116 9.6s. 151.94s. I, I couldn't believe that there was this many graded, but there's over 2,170 graded on the CGC census blue labels. I think I started maybe at like an 8, 8, 5, 9, and got my way to a 9, 4. You know, one from 9, 4 and up, they go for, you know, a good bit of money. So I think I'll probably top out here. I don't think I'll be upgrading anytime soon. 
We have one story. It's called The Daughter of the Demon. As Robin returns home from a night of adventuring, he finds himself the target of two gunmen armed with tranquilizer darts. They shoot the boy Wonder and take him prisoner. Hours later, Bruce Wayne receives a photo of Robin as prisoner. When he returns to the Batcave, he finds Raish or Ra's al Ghul and his henchman Ubo waiting for him. What will happen next? You'll have to continue reading Batman 232. If you love Ra's al Ghul as, as one of Batman's villains, to me, it's a must own for any Batman fan is Batman 232. And of course, as always, the cover will be available on our Instagram post. So if you go to our Instagram post for this episode, just keep swiping right until you see the beautiful cover. And CGC did start doing Pokemon cards recently. So I hope that your spotlight, if you get your stuff graded through there and not PSA or Beckett, uh, I do hope that you go with the CGC spotlight for maybe a Pokemon card there. I, I mean, that. I mean, it, it's funny because I'm like, I'm looking at my my CGC books. I'm like, man, we're you know, all I have left is basically Batman, and we're or I can see the end of the tunnel, so I I don't have that many slabs left. So my my thought process was, you know, then get switched to Wada Games or like you said, um, I will be sending. I do have. I'm waiting for. I think I have some Pokemon cards coming in and I'm just going to debate to see what I'm going to send off in the first batch. So I, I definitely have some goodies that I, I know you will like some I showed you already. Um, but yeah, I, that will definitely be on the dock because I will run out of books eventually. And then we'll go to games, Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh, whenever CGC decides to do them. So what you're saying is you're Wata of the week. <laughs> I, I just choked on water. <laughs> If you had, if, if my video was on, that would have been a, a funny as hell image. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say Waddle Wednesday, but we don't record on Wednesdays generally. So yeah, and and you know, as of right now, I think I only have five or six Wada games, but I have I think about ten or twelve games at Wada now, and I know that they're they're so backed up because obviously games right now getting them graded and and Pokemon that's all like the, the blowing up right now so they're just getting a, sh- a shit ton of submissions so hopefully i get them in 2020 and if you're a pokemon card fan just excuse me just remember that uh on november 13th of this year so just two weeks away the new sword and shield pack vivid voltage is dropping so it feels like champion's path just hit and is just now becoming a little bit more available but vivid voltage listen i'm a pokemon card nut i don't talk about it often on this show if you're into pokemon cards please hit me up on instagram uh, it's our it's our, just our we podcast we know things instagram account we'd love to and, talk pokemon I, with you but and i i got outbid by a dollar more on champions path box and i'm a little butthurt about it <laughs> um yeah and, and so what a booster box yeah oh dude if you pulled the fucking the rainbow charizard or the shiny Charizard, trust me I, I watched a couple pulls of people pulling it looks beautiful I, i'm going to take the chances just i had other things uh amazon had a great deal on a solid state drive for ps4 they dropped the price by 30 bucks i picked it up and listen i know you're not a huge full art guy for the cards but that's the world we're living in right now and i know like no no and, no and they're it they've been growing on me i think it's just kind of seeing them around i'm seeing a lot of people post them on ig i'm seeing a lot of box breaks on on youtube right. and you and, know I, I i got a couple cards coming that you're gonna be like oh shit look at sam his collection's kind of expanding rather than of course the og cards that'll that's where my heart is but i'm wizards, adventuring out to other other booster packs wizards of the coast there's nothing that's going to beat that from like a nostalgia factor and quite frankly base set charizard is you know that just card is so valuable but like 
I, and I love the Wizards of the Coast run. It ended in 2003 with Sky Ridge, I believe, was the uh, the last one. It was an e-reader series for Gen 3. I know. I'm a fucking nerd uh, that I know all this stuff. And then the Pokemon Company and Nintendo went in together, and that's where the full art and the GX and the EX and the V and all that stuff that um, is kind of around now has taken place. And the full art cards are not my favorite. I actually I love a lot of them now. I don't like the reverse hollows very much. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like the the reverse hollows. It's like a, a a backhanded slap in the face. Like, take this. The other <laughs> pack has nothing. And you're X like, y- ah, damn it. I see people on XY Evolutions. They have, they pull that Charizard and they think it's a base set, so they're asking thousands of dollars. I'm like, it's, this card came out four years ago. It's not. It's not the Charizard. It's actually different. It's got different stats. It's got different HP. And yeah, like, I, I know the silver Charizard that that's the rare one that people are hoping for that I know that if, if, and when I do get the, the uh, champion's path boost, you know, the, the box or whatever. And if I get that, Oh baby, baby, baby. Yeah. Shiny Charizard. It's like a charcoal black. It's beautiful. They have the, the rainbow, the rainbow Zard that's, that's going for, you know, almost a thousand bucks. So it's yeah, definitely, that, that's something you, it, it, if you open that, that goes right into a sleeve, right into a top loader, and then send that bad boy to CGC to get graded. Absolutely. So if you ever want to chat about Pokemon cards, we're always available at Stampede21589 and at We Podcast and We Know Things. I love talking Pokemon cards. And now that you're starting to collect them, because I don't collect them. I'm just a uh, an a f- observer from afar. Now that you're starting to get in there, man, the conversations we have had have made my day when we're talking Pokemon cards. Yeah, and, you're asking and, and, me and for, don't worry. When I, when I, get, I don't have, you know, obviously I don't have the original Charizard, nothing like that coming. But I got some, I think some cool stuff that I think you will like. Yeah, and just the fact that you're collecting them and you're going to me for questions and stuff like that, and like we're talking Lugia cards and all the Neo Genesis and all this cool stuff, it it just brings back so many memories. My first card, Charizard or Charmeleon, seventy five cents, Derek Warren, before school, fifth grade. Like I'll never forget that. So cool, bought it right out of a pencil case. So that was it. That was episode two hundred nine. Definitely a longer episode tonight. We appreciate you hanging in there. There was just so much stuff to cover, and I like to talk. So. Uh, With that, we'll definitely be back next week, uh, but we'll see you then for episode 210. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Hey!